Howdy ho, sifters. It's been one hell of a day in sifted land. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've had a day to forget. But hopefully, Game Face episode 43 will turn the day around for both me and for you. Uh, thanks for sticking around. We know it's an hour later than usual. Uh, we were trying to watch the Final Fantasy 15 live stream and then talk about it on the show. Unfortunately, there's an hour-long, god-awful pre-show uh, that was actually like the whole first hour of the broadcast, and we didn't want to wait to get the show going for you guys. So here we are. So we totally understand if you guys might want to jump away and check out the Final Fantasy 15 stream. We won't hate on you guys at all for doing that, so it's totally cool. But uh, hopefully some of you guys will stick around and uh, do Game Face with us. I think the first thing I want to talk about is something on last week's show where we talked about the Nintendo NX controller for a good 30 minutes, fake. only for it to be fake. Uh, a good fake. A very good fake. Um, I want to apologize personally for that, to be honest. Um, I've usually, I'm usually really good at this stuff, Matt, but mm -hmm. it has gotten to a place now with 3D printers that... You can make anything. Yeah. It used to be when you tried to figure out if something that, was... That one shot with the, the glare on the screen, like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. Like, yeah. he built it in a 3D printer, so... Well, like, to get something that's shiny out of a 3D printer is very impressive. Well, I think they cut, like, the, if you can watch. There's, like, a mm. making of video where he shows how he makes it. Like, he actually cut it, like, out of acrylic or whatever. So, I do want to apologize. Like, I'm usually pretty good with uh, stuff like this, but, yeah... Definitely got the wool pulled over our eyes on that one. It was still fun to talk about, though, and a lot of yeah. uh, what we want to do with Game Face is sort of have really good, interesting discussions. So I think that part of it was okay. But, yeah, you know, Matt, I don't think I'll ever trust a hardware leak ever again. You can't tell. Because it's so funny. Like, in the past, the, the, the goal was always, is the photo fake? Is it Photoshopped mm -hmm. or whatever? And so, you know, we got that first one, and we were very skeptical about it. We were like, eh... Probably not real. Mm. But then when that second one came out, and look, the guy who did that And they're was, not photoshopped. They're not. <laughs> it's just a fake object. Yeah. Very and, different from that, what was that, Nintendo On? Right. Back yeah. in the day, the Which was really thing. done well yeah. and elaborate. But, you know, you never saw the physical hardware, and here right. you did. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people learned a very valuable lesson mm -hmm. over the last that week. That confidential property sticker is even very authentic. It is, yeah. So, and look, I'm one of them. I, I'm just, you know, when you make mistakes, you need to own up to them, and I'm going to own up to this one. Like, uh, totally got way too excited over this thing. Uh, still, I think the conversation was good, and it generated yeah. a lot of conversation on the episode. So, just wanted to address that off the top and apologize to you, to you sifters over that whole scenario. Uh, the other thing we want to talk about at the top of the show... Well, uh, PlayStation 4K seems to be... The real Legit. Deal. Yeah, I'm not going to say that, though. <laughs> Wall Street Journal reported on yeah, it. Yeah, it's been they're... corroborated now by, like, several different publications. And I think Eurogamer also mm -hmm. said it got confirmation from an independent source. So that definitely looks like it's happening. I don't know if Xbox One expansion is actually going to happen, but mm -hmm. PlayStation 4.5 looks legit. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that in future episodes. Another thing that happened this week, uh, Shadow of Mordor 2 was kind of leaked. Resumes, man. Surprising had... no one. Another LinkedIn resume-type leak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this game was Game of the Year on a lot of people's lists the year it was released. So not a big surprise to no. see a sequel for it. Um, kind of like the whole 
thing with Grand Theft Auto this week. Oh, another Grand Theft Auto's coming? Really? You like, don't say. <laughs> you don't say. We just want to know when. We don't want to know what. Yeah. We actually shot uh, the next round of Pactor Factor this morning, and uh, he kind of answers one of the questions about leaks and stuff like that, and, and some of the, the leaked games, and he's just like, really? Like, hmm. everybody knew these games were coming. It's not a big deal. So... Still comforting to know that they're on the way. I know Mordor has a lot of big, lot of uh, a pretty big fan base going for it. So those people should be happy to see that uh, it is indeed a sequel is indeed on the way. And I'm pretty excited about that as well. I also liked the game. So that was pretty much it for this week. As small as far as small little stories um, yeah. that I can think of, anyway. Yeah, I mean. Final Fantasy, I guess, is in progress as we speak. Yeah, which is really disappointing. We really wanted to talk about it on this week's show, but unfortunately it's just not going to happen because all the information is being disseminated while we're doing the stream. So, Yeah, the hour-long pre-show was, uh, a, I guess, a, <laughs> a real killer. Yeah. a swerve <laughs> there. Yeah, because they, they had basically advertised that the whole thing was starting at the time that the pre-show started. So, yeah, got fooled a little bit there. But whatever, we have an awesome show full of great topics. Let's get to the big six. So, Matt, Call of Duty. Call of Duty. In space. Ooh. They've kind of done that before a little bit. A little bit. Not the way they're saying this is going to be. Right. So, Call of Duty Ghost, everyone's most hated Call of Duty of all, uh, did have a section in it, and you're seeing it right now, that took place in space pretty much right at the beginning of the game as well. Mm. It was almost like a red herring. It was like one of those, you know, a lot of times when you play Call of Duty, they have like secrets yeah. that you don't know about. So I remember I started playing this game and I was like, what? Like, does this whole game <laughs> take place in space? And no, it didn't. But there was a probably a five to eight minute section where you're shooting through outer space. And again, you're watching it right now. Um, the series has been inching towards the future for a while now, but space... Like Halo style sci-fi stuff. Like is like that they're... is that what they're talking about? Or are they talking about stuff like this where you're on like space? No, they, well the, and... the rumors. The guy said it was like far flung future, like space combat, kind of like starship fighting and you know like Star Wars kind of stuff. Um, so it sounds like I mean you know far flung sci-fi like almost Halo level like science fiction stuff here. Um, like, or, or maybe not Halo, like with aliens, but kind of like, you know, maybe the first space war of humanity kind of thing. So, colonization on Mars, Russia, Russia colonizes Jupiter. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you feel Red about faction. this? Yeah, exactly. How do you feel about this, Matt? Um, you think it's a smart move? Smart? Like I don't. I don't. Even, like, will it like cost them sales if they move out of like kind of the the modern military? Yeah, from idea? the business perspective. I don't know. Like, part of me wants to say that Call of Duty is kind of like bulletproof. Yeah. Like, in you know, at least for one year. Like, you know, like, like, like maybe I wonder if like people don't like one years of Call of Duty. Well, you know, will the sales drop next? I mean, Advanced Warfare did okay after people didn't react well to Ghosts. Yeah. And Black Ops Three, you know, was a giant, massive success. So, um, I guess, like, maybe I don't know if it's a smart move or not, but it's kind of nice to see them experiment. I, look, I don't really see them playing with gravity in any way. Like, what we're seeing right now with ghosts, like, this is all, like, floaty shooting. Right. And... No, I think you'll be talking... If they do, like, what the rumors are saying, I think you're talking about, like, Star Wars, like, level stuff. I mean, like, 
everyone will have artificial gravity and there will be, you know, possibly pew-pew lasers and, you know, stuff like that. I don't think, I don't think they'll be doing this kind of adrift thing. And then I wonder if, you know, they use real weapons... Maybe, or if they're all, know. like, lasers and futuristic? I think maybe you extrapolate into kind of future tech weaponry or something, like smart guns or something. I don't know. I mean, more of an aliens kind of thing. Yeah. I just wonder how far you can go before it's too far. And, look, I get ghosts is, you know, there are some people that like it, and I respect their opinion. You know, everyone has their own taste in games. But I would say the vast majority of people feel like ghosts is the worst modern Call of Duty um, and so I can kind of understand where Infinity Ward would probably want to leave that game in the dust as quickly as possible, but you know, going too far, mm-hmm. I think you know it's possible. If it's, I mean, are there going to be aliens in the game? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't think. I wouldn't expect. I mean, if there were going to be aliens in anything, it would have been in Black Ops, right? Yeah, I like, guess you're you right. Know, the kind yeah. of the sixty, the conspiracy stuff. Right. Right. Um, I mean, maybe that. I mean, I could see them kind of throwing that in as kind of their zombies mode. Like some kind of alien invasion right, right. thing, yeah. But like, I doubt that would be part of the main story. Because now zombies mode is in every Call of Duty. It's not yeah. just for uh, for Treyarch's games now. So yeah. it's just sort of an expected component. And um, what if they pull like an Uncharted, where it has like this weird like twist towards the end, where you do discover aliens and yeah. you know, if they're trying to kick this off as like a new trilogy, that would be one, you know one way to end it. Yeah, like you actually find some weird stuff. But I feel like you're, if, the more you do that, the more a field you go with the basic concept of Call of Duty. And then you got to wonder like, how does that translate to multiplayer? Like, if you throw too many curveballs in the multiplayer, you're going to alienate the people that make it a you know multi-million seller every year. Right. You know, and even if it doesn't cost you sales the following year because it's different teams, you know, that's a rotation of three different teams. Like, you got to wonder, like, well, are we gonna, you know, then you got to wonder, like, well, what if it, you know, backfires in the sequel to this new one? You know, three, you know, three years on, people just ignore it. You know, like, what if people are just in for the Black Ops and they ignore the other ones? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that'll happen. I think Probably Advanced not. Warfare has a big enough audience that people will be excited for Advanced Warfare Two or whatever. But I mean, I, I understand why they would want to, you know, really differentiate. You know, you've got a super far future one. You've got, you know, sort of a more near future one, and then maybe Treyarch handles kind of the more current gen military tech shooter. You know, because because Black Ops Three, while it was futury, it wasn't you know crazy futury. It was it was it was like two it years wasn't from advanced now. Warfare. Kind of, yeah. yeah, advanced warfare was like a huge departure. It yeah. jumped way forward. So I don't know. Look, I, I used to be a big Call of Duty player. Honestly, the last. Ghost was really kind of the beginning of the end for me as far as, like, playing it religiously. Mm -hmm. I mean, up until Ghost, I would get Call of Duty and I would play it. Like, any down moment I had, I would play a couple matches of it. Then I got Ghost. I played it online for, like, a week. I didn't even... I never even prestiged in Ghost, which was the first Call of Duty I had prestige in multiplayer in, like, forever. Um, And then Advanced Warfare. I actually did play that a good bit. I think I played it probably... Through the second DLC pack, um, and then Black Ops Three, I th- I didn't even play it till the first DLC pack came out, and so yeah, I I'm definitely waning on that series a little bit. So maybe in some ways this could be like the injection that it needs to at least get me kind of excited about it again. Um, obviously, sales didn't hurt because no. Black Ops Three was sold better than Advanced Warfare, which sold better than Ghost. Of course, Ghost was a huge drop off financially. For the franchise, so I, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just uh, maybe shooters in general. I just feel like they're starting to get a little stagnant. 
You would think, but it's still doing, you know, Black Ops 3 still sold what it sold. Well, Black Ops 3 is, I mean, Call of Duty is kind of like a sport, you know, it's Mm -hmm. an e-sport, as people call it. It is one of those things that, like, people, it's like Madden or whatever. It's like a, a game with a set of rules that has a base set of rules that rarely change, and then the frivolities kind of around those base rules change a little bit from iteration to iteration. But... Like, once you're good at one Call of Duty, like, chances are you can play the next one and be pretty freaking competitive. It doesn't change so drastically that, like, all of a sudden you suck at Call of Duty if you were good at it before. So, yeah. Uh, Call of Duty in space, I mean, they're crazy enough to do it. I will say one thing. Like, they've been pretty bold with this series. Mm -hmm. Um, People are obviously calling for the return to World War II. Wouldn't that be a slap in the face? (laughs) And people are like, oh, no, it's going to be this, like, space-bound thing. And then it turns out it actually goes back in time, back to World War II. Yeah, well, it takes place in the far, far future, but then they enter the time sphere and they <laughs> go back to World War II <laughs> to change history. Yeah, that could, I mean, look, there have been cheaper plot devices in games, that's yeah. for sure. But And that wouldn't surprise me either, because Call of Duty has done some crazy things with its stories in the past. So That's, you know, it's, it's really kind of a cheap... Like narrative trick, but it would be a way to kind of get, you know, like a level or two set in an interesting time period that maybe couldn't sustain an entire game. Yeah. And one thing I would say, too, is it does open up the door for some really cool weapons and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. they've done a pretty good job with Advanced Warfare and, and Black Ops 3 of bringing in some new tech, but, I mean, it's really, like, sky's the limit. Yeah. It really, I you know, my instinct says that, like, they wouldn't go that crazy with it. Yeah, like I, it just—it's so far afield from what that series is about that I feel like you'd have way too many people being like, "Oh, what's this shit?" Yeah, you know, like they don't. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if the main Call of Duty audience wants anything resembling that whatsoever. You know, they just they just want some good solid shooting mechanics and some you know a smooth frame rate. And I think well. they'll get that though, no matter yeah. what. That's that's what I was talking about. Like there are certain tenets of the franchise that like are the same with each game, uh, with kind of the the dressing on the outside of it changing. I just wonder how many people like really like it, like that series because of kind of the grounded military, you know, Tom Clancy-ish setting and, you know, if you move too far in a kind of Halo territory, even just like in terms of visuals, will, will you alienate a certain chunk of that, those millions? I mean, it won't look... I mean, if it is set in space on some far-flung planet or whatever, mm-hmm. like, it won't look like a Call of Duty game. No. I mean, that's pretty much a given. But it might feel like one. I think it will definitely feel like one. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that they'll never change no matter what they do with the setting or the plot. Mm-hmm. I think it'll always feel like you're playing a Call of Duty game. But, it's a, I mean, to do something like that is a pretty big risk. Yeah. But maybe they're looking at it like, well, we can't do much worse than Ghosts, so... Yeah. Or they're looking at it like, you know, this team has, has Ghosts under its belt, so, like, you know, maybe you need to really change it up. Because... You know, you look at Ghosts versus Advanced Warfare versus Black Ops 3, you're a little homogeny going on there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a little bit too much. You know, there's, there's little differences, but the, you know, it's very hard to tell which is which outside of, you know, Black Ops is obviously Black Ops because it's got the title and the number. But, like, I could see them wanting to really make it make each year be kind of different. You know, have that three-game cycle where, like, you know you're getting... This from this, and this from this, and this from Treyarch. Which know. means maybe it's a smarter move to kind Could of go be. back. <laughs> and really, di- or go way forward, so yeah. you're completely different. Because the other two, you're right, are like the same. I feel like they're set like 30 years apart. Yeah. I don't actually know what the time frame is, how that far they're apart. I mean, I feel like Black Ops 3 is like, you know... 30 years in, before you know, Advanced Warfare. In the Warfare. near future, and Advanced War- Warfare is more like the end of the century. Or is like the future. Yeah. And then... 
And then this one would be like the far future. Yeah. Well, and then you you get into the question of like, are they all in the same universe? Right, and right, yeah. Does anyone care? No. No, nobody would care. No. Yeah. But, uh, oh, but there's a lot of Captain Prices through yeah. history, that's for sure. <laughs> but one, it, one or the other, I think this series is going to sell no matter what. It would, it would, I mean, it would take a technical crash and burn on the level like Assassin's Creed Unity to, I think, really impact the following year's game's sales. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Ghost was pretty close. Yeah, but, like, was it a technical disaster? I never no, played I mean, technically it was okay. Because I, I think mean, that's what really, you know, Unity, the backlash on Unity and I think the, the attitude towards Syndicate came from the fact that, they like, it didn't run, it didn't work. Yeah. You know? Like, plenty of, of Assassin's Creed's had had, you know, subject matter or stories or whatever that people just weren't into, but, like, it, it, they never felt like, oh, I bought a game that doesn't work before. Right. So I think unless, you know, unless this far future thing is just a technical disaster, I doubt it would make people like abandon the franchise completely. They'd just be like, ah, it was not a really very a very good one. They came back after Ghosts. Yeah. So yeah. Advanced Warfare 2, I'm sure, would bring people back into the fold. It is a shame, I just want to mention before we move on, it is a shame what's happened to Infinity Ward. Yeah. Speaking of ghosts. Yeah. Appropriately. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's why they called it that. Because know. it was like the ghosts of the people who used to work there, like... I'm sure some of the people who used to work there, who were working on like Modern Warfare Three and went over to Respawn, like I'm sure some of the ideas that those people had ended up making it into Ghosts. So interesting little. I'm sure uh, there was some residual uh, stuff. Yeah, some residual intellectual, you know, brainstorming that probably made it through. Yeah, because you can't take that with you. You're right. Yeah, and then meanwhile this week, Titanfall Two comes out. The team is thirty percent bigger than the first mm-hmm. Titanfall. Uh, they have Stig, who used to work at Sony yep. Santa Monica, working on their other new IP, mm-hmm. which is a huge deal. This guy used to work on God of War, and he's now working with Respawn on the other IP. Yeah, aside he's from a, he's a he's a talent and a half. Also a, a really a good guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, great interview, good dude, mm-hmm. and uh, it was good to see that. So. Yeah, I feel like in- Infinity Ward now is really respawn. Yeah, it's for the most part. I mean, there's still probably a few people left over at, over at Infinity Ward. People who weren't invited to go to yeah. respawn and were offered huge raises to stay. Yeah. Like, no matter what, that was kind of a win-win situation, right? Either you go with Vince and crew over to respawn and start making different games, or if you stick around, you get a huge raise because you stayed. Yeah, you still went through some pretty serious stuff, though, one way or the other. That's, oh, that's never sure. a... Comfortable situation. You know, I'm sure there was. You know, it divides friends. It divides. You it know, does. Yeah. Why well, they crazy. get literally divided friends? Oh, yeah. Because some people went to respawn <laughs> and some people didn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's some weird fissures going on there between that crew of people. And mm-hmm. yeah, so be interesting to see if uh, you know whatever Infinity Ward became after that can pull this thing together. Yeah, I'm actually torn <coughs> on whether Titanfall or Ghost was the better game. Uh, I'll go with Titanfall on that one. Really? Uh, not that I've played Ghosts, but uh, oh, you haven't played it. I didn't. I wasn't even interested enough to play. I have it. I got it for uh, four dollars or something yeah. on some like <laughs> website super sale thing with free shipping. I was like, all right, sure. But I've never actually opened it. But Titanfall's got giant robots, so it's that only... gives it a leg up. But I, w- I would say Ghosts is like the more complete game. Probably. But, but uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like a tough like choice. Like which one was ultimately the better game? Well, I think one I, of them had a campaign. Yeah, so. I think I played both of them about equal time when it was all said and done. So, 
little rivalry going now between yeah. Old Infinity Ward and Respawn. Well, if I could only play one of the sequels, I know which one I'd pick, and it's the giant robot one. Unless, Even if this was set in on Jupiter or whatever, yeah, the new care. Call of Duty. I, I trust I trust Respawn more than in whatever Infinity Ward is now. Whatever Infinity Ward is now, yeah. And um, well, I don't, you know, maybe the new Call of Duty will also have giant mechs. I don't it know, could in the far future. It could be that you, they could be that you like pilot. Yeah, maybe this is their direct Titanfall competitor, and maybe that's the, exactly their idea. Yeah, was like let's show respawn. <laughs> wow, it could get interesting. I'll, I will say this. No, I'm mean, kind of rooting for yeah. it to be like in the. I mean, far I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big Titanfall uh, proponent, but I'll, t- I'll say this: if the Call of Duty game has mechs that turn into planes. <laughs> Or anything you, else. You, you might win me over. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's a little more battlefieldy, though. Yeah. Or, or just transformery. Yeah. But I just mean, like, you don't get to fly things very often in Call of Duty. No, you're right. You, never, you really never do. Drones. That's about yeah. as far as it goes. But uh, we'll see. It could be completely unfounded in bullcrap. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what we do. We talk about unfounded bullcrap here, here on Game Face. We speculate wildly <laughs> on things that will never be. All right, let's move on to the next topic. So, Matt, another week, another social justice warrior-related story. Well. You don't think this is social justice warrior-related, this one? I, I think that that is an ugly term that is a dismissive Way to describe someone who's trying to say something that matters to them. Okay, fair enough. So what happened is this week, Overwatch, Blizzard's shooter, has a character in the game, and there was a gentleman who was playing said game, and uh, it, it it became apparent to him that he felt like her, her poses weren't representative of the rest of the character that is portrayed in the game. Because she's like the bubbly... Goofball character is well, that it, or? She's not really She's kind of like The spunky mm. Like tech girl I guess mm. is the best way To put it uh, It's hard to put a label On any of the characters In Overwatch Because <laughs> they're They do have kind of A breath to them But yeah She's like the spunky Like I don't even know How to describe it I mean Personally as someone Who's played the game And And played with this character And played against this character Many times It, it doesn't seem That out of the ordinary for her pose for the character that she is because she's kind of like this in-your-face type attitude. She's got like an attitude, mm. I guess. She, I guess the best way I could describe it is she reminds me of a girl from New Jersey. <laughs> like <laughs> like it, when I lived in Philadelphia and you would go out to bars or clubs or whatever, like if you'd ever run into a girl who was like what we would call a spitfire, we'd always be like, oh, she's from Jersey. Because you'd meet these girls from Jersey, you would drive over into Philadelphia for the night to have fun and then drive back to New Jersey that like when they were done or whatever. And for whatever reason, those girls always had like a lot of a lot of spirit and spunk. And so when I think of this character, Tracer, like that's kind of what it reminds me of is Jersey girls. So <laughs> Does she sound like she's from Jersey? Eh, maybe a little bit. Hmm. She's got a little bit of that kind of New York, like Northeast dialect, I guess. Hmm. Um but so the bottom line is she's not like this demure, like reserved prestigious character like Mm. she's this like out there like outgoing rambunctious type character so i mean honestly the pose isn't that bad i mean really it's just like Mm. basically just her from behind and she kind of cocks her one leg or what i don't know like she cocks her hip it's a you know it's it's a it's a hey look at my ass you know yeah so where do you stand on this matt 
Well, I haven't played it, so, so I don't Blizzard really did have come out and say <clears throat> that they had been planning all along to change the pose. I don't know that I believe that. Yeah, I don't know if that's the best PR method on these things. It sounds like to me like some guy or some this guy said something, you know, had, had, had his opinion on this thing, and whoever it was at Blizzard saw that, thought about it, decided that that was a valid criticism, decided to change their game. Like yeah. that's. The system seems to be working, as far as I can tell. Like, so the guy said that. One I, of the I, I don't think I don't think anyone had. has ever made Blizzard do something they didn't want to do. Is basically, I, you know. So Blizzard was like, some, so clearly someone in there was like, okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, kind of right. I don't think that fits the character. Let's remove it. I think that might be my concern, though, is that it feels like Blizzard may have done something and it didn't want to do. Folding to pressure. Well, I don't see how one guy tweeting something is pressure. He didn't tweet. It was on their message boards. He wrote like a huge diatribe. And then he mm. also wrote, and a big part of it, and what he said motivated him to contact Blizzard about it, was that he has a young daughter who had got up and watched like the cinematic trailer that we had our, for our trailer of the week last week mm. every day. She'd get up and say, <laughs> Daddy, I want to watch the trailer again. And so he would let her watch it. And he's like, I don't want her to be exposed to this character and then grow up and not appreciate like Blizzard like he basically wants his kid to grow up to appreciate Blizzard's games and play Blizzard's games and he felt some way that her being exposed to this character by the way which is in a T-rated game and his daughter shouldn't be watching trailers or gameplay for in the first place he felt some way that this was going to taint his daughter for her the rest of her life and affect her over the long haul I mean no, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely some over-dramatization going on here on the part of the guy who complained. Um, Sounds like it. I, I, I'm nervous about the fact that Blizzard may have caved to internet demands. I hope that what they said is true, that you know this was a plan all along. I don't know why. The reason I have a hard time believing it is why, if it's so easy to change and implement, why did I just play the beta for two mm. weeks with that? Well, we were going to change it. Why is it there? That's what I'm saying. And like, you know, it's just like I don't. You know, oh, we were planning on changing the the ass slap thing for uh, right. our Mika all, all along. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't believe that either because yeah, exactly. like, it just wouldn't be there. And yeah. if you were really going to change it, why'd you just point the camera? Out? You know, like, like you know, that's the thing. Is like, it's like, I'm, you just be honest. Like, say, hey, we heard this criticism. We think it's you know on the ball, and we're going to do something about it. And that's just how we feel. Sorry, like you know. See, the problem like, is, is I'm, that... I'm okay with that. It's just like when they kind of try to obfuscate. It's like, oh yeah, we were going to do that anyway. Like that just comes off as. Because, like, it doesn't bother me because I don't care. I don't care that there's yeah. one less ass pose in video gaming. It really doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. But, like, what bothers me is, like, there are people who do care and do get very angry and loud and upset about it. And, like, these explanations that are clearly, like, not really what's happened, at least I think is not clearly uh, true. I don't think that explanation's true. It's like, yeah. that just, like, fuels their anger over it because it sounds like they're lying to you about it. Well, most it. of the reaction to it has been negative. I mean, if you look around at people writing editorials mm. and all the YouTubers and whatnot, pretty much all of them are unanimously saying this is bullcrap, like, don't let one person. Like, I, I liked the character the way it was. I feel like it does represent that character, her pose. Um, well, the people who made it don't, apparently. Or do they? Or it was just this one guy who... Why would, why would Blizzard cave to one guy? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm pretty sure Occam's Razor says they didn't, and someone in there decided that guy had a point, and they just decided to change it. Yeah. Maybe the guy, maybe everybody in Blizzard had to bow to the one guy in charge of the project, and they don't agree with him or something, but that's an internal issue. But Matt, don't you find it strange that all this seems to just be happening, like, in the last year? Strange? Yeah. 
Like how? What do you mean? Strange? Well, because like Blizzard never changed characters in its games, like when they were almost done before. Well, I mean, I guess strange is a way to. And it's not just put Blizzard. It. Like, and then and this week it was announced that uh, they're changing one of the characters in Star Ocean Five because they feel like she looks too young. Which you know I understand a lot more than this one. Well, they put larger panties on her. Right. That's about, that's about, that's about. And that was funny because uh, no one even said anything about that yet. They're just like, well, we think the West No, might... they were preemptive. They talked yeah, about the, it. The West might not react to this very well, so we're going to do this. And uh, uh, my favorite part of that, actually, was the uh, the reactions from the Japanese players who were like, you know, they basically like went crazy over, over yeah. that, screaming like, why don't you give us a, one version and them the other version? And I'm like, that's a good question. I mean, clearly. Yeah. I mean, there's cultural differences, obviously. Yeah. But it's weird that you would... You know, there have been plenty of instances where the Japanese version and the American version of something were different in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird that they would just all up front just like, eh, we're just gonna we're just gonna do a safe version for everybody, uh, when you know that that's gonna cause problems. But that's what's crazy is that it's become so prevalent in the West that not only Japan Japan used to be reactive to it, now it's proactive to it. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, okay. Audiences in the West are someone's going to complain about this, so we're not even going to like show it this way in the first place. We're just or like with Koei Tecmo and Dead or Alive Extreme Three. They're just like we're not even releasing it in the West because we know it's going to happen. It's going to be a crap storm of people like raising a stink about this game, and so I feel like there it maybe Blizzard did cave to some pressure here. Like again, like this isn't something that Blizzard would have done like two or three years ago. It's like only in the current like recent climate. And you know, it can be argued whether it, a lot of it depends on your perspective, but it can be argued whether the change is good or bad or whatever. But I think the issue that I have with it is that you're having these artists changing their art from someone else's feedback. And we've we've talked about that before about how if I were mm-hmm. a painter and someone's trying to tell me how to paint my painting, I'd tell them to screw off and and that whole thing. But, you know, Blizzard, I think why this bothers me so much is because it is Blizzard. And I just feel like this old school Blizzard never would have done this. I feel like, you know, now they're a part of Activision and they're a part of the whole mothership. And I just feel like their perspective is... You think Activision has that kind of sway on them? Yeah, of course. Because I was under the impression that Blizzard pretty much was Blizzard. Like, that was kind of part of the thing. Like, Blizzard doesn't have to listen to anybody. Well, I'm sure they have a lot of sway because, you know, they're filling the coffers almost as much as Activision is yeah. at this point. So, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like seeing Blizzard do stuff like this, it, that's slipping away. Like, that autonomy that they had. They're... That seems like a slippery slope argument. I don't really believe that. I think, why is this stuff happening more and more recently? Because people are starting to listen to people other than people who are like you and me. Like there's more to more to gaming and more to the gaming audience than straight white males now. No, I get and that. And they're starting to listen and and, and this was of, a straight white male who complained about this, by the way. Yeah, but like <laughs> you know, you're still talking about you know, there's a lot of you know women who probably would be like, well, like, is it necessary for her to shake her ass like that at the thing? Probably not. I mean, there's also the argument that like you know, if you don't like that pose, you don't have to use that pose because right. you pick the final. You do. Pose we we showed some video of that actually where um, you can choose it. But again, like if that's just something that the developers like, oh, we decided we because there's the they didn't change the other kind of poses with the other female characters in the because game. that that's the whole thing. Like people are saying, oh well, well, those other girls are supposed to be sexy. Like who says like a character or a person is supposed or not supposed to be sexy? Like well, they're designed so like you can say they're designed to do whatever they're supposed to do. What do you mean? 
Like, it's not like you're saying, like, oh, that person is designed to be sexy. You're saying that character was drawn with huge tits and a nice ass is designed to be sexy. All video game characters are perfectly proportioned, though. So is the girl... The Someone other... didn't play Dead Rising 2. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I did, but... Every girl in this game well, yeah. is a bombshell. Perfectly fit. I mean, obviously the chest may change a little bit, but there's no overweight characters in this game. No female characters, anyway. And I often wonder what the response would be to, like, overweight female characters in a game. Mm. From women and men. Uh, it depends on the depiction, I think. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, look, this is all... Like, if you put in a, a fat woman, like, like Rufus-style, like, from Street Fighter Four, just, like, as a comedic moron character, you probably would get some blowback on that. That's what I'm saying. Think not about even, that. Not even the sense of, like, you know... Not even the sense of, like, that's what you're going to get, but it's, like... There's so few overweight women depicted in gaming, and the, here's one we finally get, and it's like a clown, basically. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, and people will say, it's like, oh, Rufus is a clown, too. Yeah, but there's also more overweight men in gaming that are not But that's what jokes. I'm saying. Like, men are treated a lot differently in games than women are. Yeah. Like, nobody ever complains about men being, like, too beefcakey or overweight or anything. It's just, like, it's a dude in a video game. Yeah. Period. Because that's... What we see, right? But what about, why are women? Why is it different for women? What do you mean? Why? Why is, why is what? Why is no it? one's going to complain about a male character in a video game flexing his biceps or yes, because showing off his six pack abs or flexing his ass or whatever. Like I can tell you why, but you're not going to believe me. Well, go ahead for it. Go because for it. because when we see that, that is a power fantasy for males. That is something we look at, and it's like a thing of like, yeah, I want to be that dude who's like. Flexing and is awesome, and he's strong, and he kicks people's asses, and he's like a fucking hero. He, you know, he's Marcus Phoenix. He's he's all roided up, and he can cut a man in half with a chainsaw sword, and he's it's awesome. I'm into it. And then like the women, when you you know get complaints about oh they're sexy and they're you know they're they're sexed up and they show their ass and all that stuff. Well, that's also for us. You know, like the that's not like a woman's ideal of what she wants to become and what she wants to fantasize as in a powerful. Situation. What, what would that woman be? Well, that varies per person. You're probably looking at like, I mean, not that the, not that a, a woman's like power fantasy can't be a sexy woman. You know, look at Xena. A lot of like Xena, Warrior Princess, yeah. is like an example of something a lot of women have supported and really enjoyed as their kind of power fantasy. But there's more to her than just her tits and her ass. You know, and in a video game, part of the problem I think is that. None of these characters are developed much beyond just their physical signifiers in a lot right. of cases. So, like, you know, if you've got a dude who's, like, a beefcake, like, awesome hero, like, well, that's all we want. Because, like, that's awesome. I want to be that guy. That's cool. Whereas, like, the, the women generally probably are there for us to enjoy and look at and, you know, like a, you know, like a stripper or something kind of thing. Because that's what dudes like. That's what we like to look at, right? And, but, like, if a girl's trying to play that game, she's like, well, there's nothing here for me. And that's kind of, like, what the I disagree with that, though. I, I mean... Well... Good luck. <laughs> if you like, like, I'm not really the one to talk to about that. You yeah. should probably talk to some women about it. I have talked to women about it, and they like playing as strong, powerful women, just like we like playing as strong, powerful men. Yeah. Like, but often girls in video games are not that. They're just you know sex bombs or girls to be rescued or whatever. Like, you know, the the idea of like characters like that in Overwatch that are like you know. Their own characters with their own abilities and their own powers and their own kind of, you know, they can hold their own against the other characters, like, on their own terms. Like, that's not an entirely, you know, common thing, you know? And I understand why in a game like that, maybe someone would complain about, like, oh, this character doesn't really have this sort of sexy angle to her, so why is this one pose like that? 
Um, I mean, I don't. I mean, do you really think if I if I made that observation, I don't think I would expect Blizzard to get rid of it. I mean, I yeah. I mean, clearly this guy maybe did because he wrote such a huge diatribe about it. Like, I don't know if I don't know if it's reasonable to think that one a character's one pose that has a little like you know sexy flair to it is going to ruin your daughter's opinion of Blizzard forever. But like, I mean, do you think women want to play as unattractive women in video games? It's not about being unattractive. It's about being. Like not just there to be ogled by the boys, but that has nothing to do with this. She's very powerful in this game. Yeah, we're talking in general terms, though, and it's and and I'm saying like if this there's but nothing we, else in this character's makeup that you know kind of does that sort of like male gaze movement, then why is that one pose there at all? It's because it's like hey, she's got a pretty good ass, and let's show it, and like you know that's to some people that's not a good enough reason for that. Yeah. Apparently not for this one dude who thinks his daughter shouldn't think that about that one character. I mean, I don't know. I haven't read his his. Because he he's actually the one who says, like, these other two characters, I'm fine with it. This one specific character, I'm not okay well, with. Well, sometimes, I mean, it's like, it's like the, you know, the Dead or Alive Extreme 3 thing. I mean, I think you're right. There would definitely be complaining about that game if it was released here. But I have asked about that game to a lot of my female friends who are... You know, very big on not having gratuitous, you know, cheesecake, sexy stuff in their games, and they they all universally say like, look, I wouldn't play it, but like, I don't mind it because that's what that game is. Like, that game is very boldly just saying like, we're here to be TNA, and like, you know, we're basically see, like ironically, a like I, that game does rub me the wrong way. You think? Yeah, it definitely it, does. Because like, that's the thing like that that I've always that I've heard from from people that normally would be termed kind of an SJW thing was like. Well, no, I mean, that is that is what it is. It has like, no redeeming qualities, though. It has redeeming qualities if you want to see, like, digital girls shake their butt. That's not redeeming, though. Well, it is if that's <laughs> what you're trying to... That's what I'm saying. It's basically softcore porn. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's what Cinemax used to run late at night. Yeah, you know? and that's, probably still does. Probably still, yeah, I don't know. Who, does anyone have Cinemax anymore? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, because that's... The, the game isn't, like, trying to, like, present some other kind of game or any other kind of, like, you know, serious, like, other whatever type of genre or sci-fi epic or whatever, and then they just sort of, like, cram in. It's like, oh, by the way, stare at this chick's ass for a while. Like, that's the kind of thing that, like, I think sets people off in terms of these complaints more often. Whereas, like, if it's just like, yeah, this game is basically porn. Like, there it is. Take it or leave it. Whatever. And it's like, and yeah, that's not minded so much. Probably because someone who isn't into that doesn't feel like they're missing anything. You know, if, like, if you're not into that, there's no reason to play that game. But, like, I think, you know, you see people that kind of get put off by this whole, like, oh, I wanted to play this sort of, like, big adventure game. And then in the middle of it, I had to put on the chainmail bikini. Yeah, I mean, look, I really don't give a crap whether they change her stance, like, as mm. far as the game, and, like, it's not going to change mm. how much I enjoy the game. Right. I just don't like precedents set like this where the fans are controlling the content that ends up in the game. Well, that's kind of the, the double-edged sword there, is we want them to listen to us, but we don't want them to listen to I us. I honestly don't want them to listen to us at all. Like, I want them to make the games that they want to make. Like, I don't mm. want the, this crowdfunded game development. I don't want it. Like, if I wanted... This this guy's idea of a video game, then I'd buy his fucking video game. Like, I I buy Blizzard's games because I like the games that Blizzard makes. Mm. I don't like crowdfunded Blizzard games where they're letting like random people on their forums tell them how to build their games. Like, I just don't like it. I don't like the precedent that it sets. I don't like that they're allowing outside influences because they're good at making games. They do a great job of it. And look, this is a very kind of surface and petty element of its game, which just makes it all the more ridiculous that it's such a huge story, but it's like, when you start there, like, what's next? Like, 
what are they going to allow fans to change in another game? Or maybe in this one before it's finished. Like, who knows? Like, I just don't like the precedent that it sets when you're letting, like, your fans tell you what to do to your games. Like, I would have been much more proud of Blizzard if they had stood up and said, look, we appreciate your concerns and we understand them, but this is our game and this is what we want to make. This is our vision. Um, for them to come up with some kind of half-cocked excuse for why, okay, okay, yeah, we're going to change it, like, that's what bothers me. It's just... I don't. I just don't believe that, like, that is something... I mean, I'll worry about that when they start listening to the, like, long, you know, 14-page screeds people write about how, oh, my God, it's OP, this is unbalanced, and, like, oh, and, like, instantly change the game in that regard. This one, I mean, I admit that my reaction to this, if I were Blizzard, would have been, like, fair enough, um... We hear you. Uh, don't use that pose. Right. Like there, I, you know, she has like ten like, poses. Like if it, if yeah. it was, I mean, I, I would maybe feel different if like that was what she did when she won. Like that's just her pose, and it's like, oh, we don't. I, like, I don't think. And like, okay, well, you know, and even then, my reaction would probably have been like, you know what? From now on, you're going to be able to, able to choose different poses for the characters. Like I would have maybe implemented the choosing of the pose thing. Yeah. So to this, like, I don't. I mean, I don't really get why you'd remove it entirely if it's so player choice. Open, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, is that is it? I mean, it, to, for someone who that's not good enough for, I don't know if you're ever going to please them anyway. Exactly. And um, that's a good point. So you know, so my reaction to this is like, well, it's nice that they listen and that they're open to that kind of criticism, but at the same time, I I really do feel like you don't have to use it ever. If you know, you never you never have to see that pose. Yeah. If you don't want on to. that character, if you don't want to on your own character, at least. I mean, I guess you, I haven't played the game. I don't know. Maybe you, do you see everyone's win pose at the end. Yeah, you kind of do. Yeah. Well. Like, what if I hate somebody's jacket? It's still you know, I don't so know. Petty. But like, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like it's like okay, you can complain. Yeah, and then I wonder about that guy. It's like, well. Maybe it, that he must not have a problem with that you see everybody else's win pose because otherwise wouldn't he have a problem with the other female characters who have similar kind no, of No, he's like poses? he said that those other characters were established as sexy quote unquote characters. And so he was hmm. okay with that. He felt like Tracer was not developed as that type of and I don't know how you can develop anything from a character when you're just running around shooting other people in the face. Like I just think the whole thing's ridiculous. Well, I'm I'm mostly surprised that they didn't kind of fall back on the idea that like, hey, it's player choice. Whatever you want to use as your win pose, go ahead and do that. You yeah. Know? I mean, you don't really have that option in Street Fighter Five because right. they have a much more limited poses. So changing that, I mean, you don't really have an option on right. that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I do wish they'd have put. They would have just changed the animation because it's. I still think that that. You know the camera shift in Street Fighter Five is very obvious. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, which to me is like that's my problem. It's like it's like you want to cut out like kind of gratuitous sexy stuff. Like I'm fine. I don't care. I'm fine with that. The internet yeah. has porn for us. Like right. the, you know, if, if you really want to see a cartoon ass, there's a the, Google will deliver. Believe you me. Yeah. Um, but like you kind like when by just you kind of clumsily move the camera up, like that just doesn't look right. I just feel like um, then you're impacting the game in the, in a weird way. Make I, a new animation. I feel like this kind of new movement in games and some of the outlets, as far as game, games journalism is concerned, is kind of doing the same thing that like GamerGate does, but on the other side. It's like they try to shame you if you don't agree with their perspective, and. I'm like you. I don't really care if there's a girl shaking her butt in a game or not. Like, all I really care about is, is it fun to play? And is it well-balanced? And kind of that part of it. 
I don't care about the aesthetics as much, but there's a lot of people that do. But it's like when these people are trying to tell me, like, oh, if you're okay with that butt pose being in a game, then, like, you're, like, a gamer gator or, like, like I... It's kind of like politics. Like, there's no middle ground. Like, either you're on one side or you're on the other. And if you're not on one of those sides, then you're the bad guy. And, like, I feel like there's a lot of gray area to this. And I don't feel like a lot of people look at it that way. I feel like it's, like, you have to be on one side or you have to be on the other. Like, I don't like that somebody might consider me or might think that I don't respect women because I think there's nothing wrong with that pose being in the game. And I don't think it's right that Blizzard is changing the game based on fan feedback but some people will say oh look at Shane's perspective he doesn't respect women like I think that's garbage and like I don't know I just feel like when these instances come up it's it just bothers me like I don't like that our hobby is being split into these weird like factions like politics like it was already bad enough with like the console wars and fanboys and now there's like this other like split or rift it's like are you an SJW or are you a gamer gator it's like I just like freaking video games, and I respect the people who make the games, and I feel like they're really good at what they do, and I should let them do what they do, and not meddle, or, and like you were saying earlier, um, you know, balance and things like that. I'm fine with that type of feedback. Like, if fans want to say, look, like, I use this weapon with this attachment, and I'm just mowing people down, like, that's something that needs to be fixed, like, I'm fine with that. But when it starts talking about the aesthetics of a game, or the tone of a game, that's where I feel like that's what the art part of games for me is. And that's where I feel like people are stepping over the line. Like just this guy like writing and like just how entitled he is to write Blizzard and be like, I don't like this about your game. You need to change it. Like screw you, dude. Like who are you? Like go raise your daughter. Stop letting her play games and watch games she shouldn't be playing or watching. Like go be a dad. Like why are you on this forum writing a 3,000 word thing about some stupid girl player butt po Like it's just insane what is to me what is going on in the industry right now and like this is just another example of it blizzard is a developer i never thought would cave to something like this maybe they're telling the truth and they didn't and it was in the cards all along this game has been in beta for months and that poses in there well, like the funny thing is like when someone brought this up to me the other day uh i thought it was another thing in, where the latest patch had removed there were i guess around you thought it was the reverse no i thought it was because um, I hadn't heard about the pose thing. What I thought it was something I'd read the day before, where I guess they had had um, around like the outhouses on a map, there had been like kind of like magazine like spreads of like the female characters in the game, like kind of scattered around as though like the guys who were using the outhouse had been like jerking off to the picture, like like you know, oh, yeah, like yeah. that was a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like they got re they removed those in the right. I thought that's what the uh, controversy. Like, Have you heard this Overwatch controversy? And I'm like. What, like the, the magazine? And the person who was trying to tell me about the ass pose removal had not heard that. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like oh, you mean the, the porn mag thing at the outhouse? They're like, what the hell are you talking what about? There's like, a porn what the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like there's two different things on that? Yeah. yeah. So um, so it's like clearly they, I don't know, like Blizzard, it sounds almost like Blizzard did like a, like a cleanup run? They did, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like, like, you know, and like it's, to me it's like, you know, I hear your, your slippery slope uh, concern, but like, I just so do not associate that with Blizzard in any way. I mean, Blizzard is like you know might be number one on my list of game companies. It's just like 
fuck you. We're going to do whatever we want. You know? Right. You remember back when they were going to take flying out of the game? Yeah. And yeah. how much like screaming and yelling and and just strife it took to, to get them to put back that back into uh, World yeah. of Warcraft? That's what I'm saying. Like, like they have always been the company that didn't. They, they always were, had that the attitude of like we know best. We're it's our game. Don't bother. So 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 my instinct on this is to think that someone in there, someone with a decision making power at. Uh, at, on Overwatch said like you know no I agree with this guy let's do that that's where I feel like things are just starting to get out of control when Blizzard is folding like I don't know that's, that's why it bothers like, me so much it, but it's just you know is it folding or is it just they made a creative choice with their product but look Matt you know how video games are made this game has been in R&D and development for probably like five years like not even exaggerating like five years probably more with Blizzard. probably more they have focus tested this game to crap. They have redrawn that character, I guarantee you, probably 20 or 30 times. They have, there are probably 15 animation routines, poses for this character that they threw out and got rid of and decided on the ones that are in the game. Like, you don't do that much work and put that much thought into a product and then all of a sudden on a whim decide, you know what, that's terrible. We don't like that. We were going to remove it. Like, it doesn't work that way, Matt. Sometimes you know it that. Does. It does not, though. You know it doesn't work that way. If it didn't you work that way, there wouldn't be reshoots in movies. This is video games. This isn't movies, dude. There's there's differences between games and movies, believe Pl- it or not. Plenty, like, plenty lots of, of differences. And this is one of them. Like, plenty of things change at the last minute in these things. Not stuff like that, dude. Not like... Not remove pose? No. Not unless there's pressure from the outside. Like, you don't do that, like, yourself. Like, you've already thought I, about I this stuff I think way you're too over, long. I think you're over... One guy writing a screed on their forum is not pressure. What? That's one dude. Who cares about one dude? Obviously they, they did. Well, then they someone in there also agrees with him. That's what I'm saying. Is like Someone no in put, there agrees that, like, this could turn into... a. Uh, controversy that we don't want to have to deal with it's not worth it for us to keep this in here let's just get rid of it that's what i think happened they looked at it they're like well let's see what are the options here the option is we leave it in this guy goes fully nuclear and turns into a jerk and creates a hashtag about it and it turns into a disaster or we just remove it so just removed it i don't think for a second that blizzard already was like yeah we're gonna remove that i don't believe that at all the pose is so i don't believe they were going to do it already right so that's pressure that's what made them change the game is that pressure though like if if i say hey this thing on on the website maybe that should be over here and you say oh yeah that's right did i pressure you to change that it depends on how you approach me if you come into my forums on sifted and with a bit of a like hey bro tone then yeah that's pressure without a doubt and that happens. Like, people come on the site, they're like, I don't like this or that. Yeah. And you feel pressure to make a decision and either go with them or stay the course, the course that you'd already plotted. And it's just, and with the site, it's the same thing. Like, today, somebody sent me a message about our game evals and was like, oh, you know, I wish that maybe you had, like, a category in your game evals that, like, was subjective and was just, like, the secret sauce category. Like, this is the vibe of the game category. And that's not how we set them up. We're like, no, we want our game evals to be objective. You get to put your own subjective stuff into it by setting your game eval ratings. So that was a case where, yes, I did feel pressure when I read that. Because it makes you second guess what you're doing. Either you decide to stay the course and what you thought about, which in my case, I thought about our game evals for a couple years before they were ever implemented. And I implemented them. Somebody's complaining about something that I worked on for a couple years. And you feel pressure. You're like, okay, it makes you double gut. 
second guess yourself and say, okay, well, maybe my thought processes weren't right. And so you do that mental gymnastics and you think about it. And that's what Blizzard did. And they're like, is it worth it for us to keep this in here or have a potential issue? And they decided, no, it's not worth it. Like, let's just get rid of it and this will all go away because it's one pose. Probably the way they looked at it is like, this is one pose out of like nine. Who Mm. cares? It's not worth the risk of this turning into some big hashtag whatever dust up. So, I don't know. Maybe there was controversy on the team in the same regard and someone finally used that as leverage. Right. But I, I still feel that if there's one company that knows how not to listen and feel pressured by screaming crazy people on the internet, it's Blizzard. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's why this seems so out of character and so odd to me. Well, and that's that, why well, we're doing see, I, we're I take talking the op- about it. Well, I take the opposite on where I think, you know, to me, because I think that Blizzard is, is very well accustomed to knowing how to handle feedback in that regard, it makes me think that there was either already controversy on the team over should we keep this or is this appropriate for this character, or someone was just like, yeah, you know, hey, what do we think about this? And it was like, mm, he's got a point. Maybe we should. Or do they it. were like, mm, not worth the bullshit. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but you know, we'll see if like somebody starts to decide to write a three thousand word screed about how uh, uh, this fa- this gun that I really like should really kill people every time I pull the trigger, whether I'm pointing at them or not. And I feel like they're probably not going to do that because that's a lot more important than a wind pose. I would recommend watching, by the way, and it's curated on Sifted. Total Biscuit did a great commentary on this whole thing. In fact, we probably should have had him on the show via Skype or something like that and got him in here to talk about it because he he was on point. Like, he basically did. And look, there's tons of them. Like, watch Total Biscuit's thing. And if you watch that and then still feel the same way, come back next week and we'll talk about it. Hmm. I think he may change your mind on couple things at least well he never has before but i'll give him a shot <laughs> there's a first time for everything he's no jim sterling that's all i'm saying <laughs> i like total biscuit so let's move on to the next topic of the big six let's players we've talked about let's players youtubers before um controversy has come up this week because the developer behind that dragon cancer which is a game about his son who I believe was five years old, uh, had terminal cancer and ultimately died of cancer. Mm. And he made this game that was supposed to be some type of therapeutic for him to help get over the grief of his son passing away. And so this week he comes out and says, according to Steam, our game has sold about 14,000 copies. And I don't know if you remember or not, but this game was a bit of a, an internet phenomenon for a good like three or four weeks. Everyone was playing it and saying how it made them cry and one of the most emotional experiences they've had playing video games and things like that. And that's one of the things that really surprised me when this story popped up, was that this thing has been talked about so much. It was really a hot topic for a, it was, for a while. Yeah. And the fact that it, that, you know, well, this, it hasn't sold enough to make a profit. Yeah, it hasn't um, even broken even. Sho- it was shocking to me, because like, it, was, it was really the hot, you know, kind of serious art game topic for a week or two there. I mean, oh, at least more than that even, yeah. I mean, you know, is that everybody was kind of doing their, you know, the, the obligatory op-ed on. Yeah. And the fact that, like, that f- those so few people actually bought and played it was surprising to me. Maybe it shouldn't be. Yeah. But it was. So me. that's what we're going to talk about here is he feels that Let's Plays and YouTubers are at least part of the reason why the game has not generated adequate sales. Um, I've seen some comments on this where people are like, he shouldn't expect to turn a profit on a game uh, that is supposed to be therapeutic for him and is supposed to sort of be this 
this tribute to his his son who passed. Well, that's, I, I, that's disagree, bullshit. I disagree with that. No, completely. I don't agree with that at all. It's just if you put out a product, you should hope to make a profit on yeah. it. Yeah. And my perspective is like, you know, if he makes enough money so him and his wife can go on a vacation somewhere mm-hmm. to kick it for a little bit and maybe blow off some of the steam, like. Or maybe pay off some of the exorbitant mil- medical bills I'm sure they have. Exactly. Because I have no problem with this game turning a profit, for one. No, no, no. In fact, all. I would hope that it does, like, at least make it Most some people money. just set up a GoFundMe these days. Right. So, you know, a product and, you know, getting profit from from, what, from your work seems like a way, way better way to go about it. Yeah. I am freezing, by the way. If, <laughs> if, you, if you hear, like, my voice kind of shaking a little bit, like, it is so cold in here. Our studio is really cold tonight for some reason. The AC is just kicking, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> I just heard, I'm like, I sound like I'm, I'm like, like it's, it's fucking cold in here. People. That's why I always wear long sleeves to record, <laughs> always. I think I've worn short sleeves like three times ever. It hasn't been this bad for a while. I mean, back when we first started last year, like sometimes I'd finish like directing the thing and I, and I was like pressing buttons and I couldn't feel them. I couldn't feel, like my fingers were numb. I couldn't feel anything. But I, but I digress. Yeah, so... So here's the thing. He's saying that Let's Plays of his game, and look, I did a YouTube search of Let's Plays for this game today, and it was just an endless, oh yeah, endless scroll of Let's Plays for this game. Because it's one of those games where people react to it. They cry, they mm-hmm. weep, whatever. And I mean, it was literally... It's like the flip side of, the, of screaming at horror games. Right, it's, yeah. yeah. It's the will they cry... Right, ideal. So, like how long can you go? And I've seen those. Like, how long can I make it through that dragon cancer before I cry? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you feel like they have a leg to stand on here, or he has a leg to stand on here? I guess the team was eight guys that made I, this game. They said they worked on it for a couple years full time. I th- I think he does. I mean, I I think it's definitely part of it. Um, I mean, part of it is also that people, you know, some people just don't pay. You know, full price or whatever for a game they think is that short or that. Some people linear. don't want to pay for games that make them cry. That too, you know. <laughs> maybe some people don't want. You know, there's also I know there's a, there's a very strong religious streak through it, and that you know there's some people just don't want to don't want that in their games. Right. You know, I understand. Yeah. Um, but I think the fact I think the he's right in the fact that it's a very linear game. Like if you play it, you basically have the same experience as everyone else. You know, it's not, it's not like a it's, there's a lot, of, a lot of variables in it, I, yeah. and it's so narrative-based that I think an argument can be made that just watching it gets you not too inferior in experience as playing it, you know? Yeah. It's not like, you know, I can watch someone play, you know, Overwatch, you know, all day, but I'm, you know, I still want to play it because, you know, I'm not going to have it anywhere near the same experience exactly. as, like, watching you play it on, on you know, a live stream. It's not... Right. Remotely the same thing, but if I watch you play that Dragon Cancer, I'm probably not going to have a very different reaction when I play it myself. Now, one argument I see, and look, people I feel like have been kind of nasty over this whole thing, to be honest with you. But one argument I always see is, that, and, they, and I think a lot of people like actually said this to this guy is like, if you don't want to make a game that people can get everything out of by watching it, then you may need to make a different kind of game. Hmm. Which to me is complete bullcrap. Like. So here, if if you want to experience a thing, you have to pay for that thing. Right. I can do it too. Right. You know, it's like what what does that mean? I mean, I know we all hate paying for stuff, but like at a certain point, you got to draw a line. You know, like I mean, that's just that's practically just the same justification people use for piracy. Here's the disgusting thing about this. It really ticked me off today. Was when I was looking at this endless scroll of let's plays of this game. I just you know my eyes were just going cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. 
cha-ching, cha-ching, they cha-ching, are cha-ching, making cha-ching. money off. All of these people. I mean, there has probably been on YouTube alone well over a million dollars made on this game by let's players mm-hmm. and YouTubers. And the reaction to it was really weird because I mean, because it kind of came up because there was music rights flagged on right. it because of the music in the and game. And they lifted those. And they did lift them. And it was not the thing that like, gets your account banned or anything. Right. It was just the thing that's like, hey. Like, they take a bit of the revenue, yeah. yeah. But like, it was amazing to me to see all these YouTube streamers or YouTubers like, on this like, kind of really just hardline, like, no, you don't get any of my money. Oh, and yeah. it's like, but oh, you yeah. wouldn't have any of that anything money. to show if this game didn't exist already. And it's like, and they're like, well, no, you got your money from the sale of the game. I'm like, but no, he didn't. But you're ca- he apparently lost. Not. He lost like, the sale because yeah. you played this game in front of all these people. And here's the, a lot of people are like, like going back to the argument where the people were like, well, then make a game that isn't exhausted by somebody else watching play it. Well, that's like saying like that means you lose a genre. Yeah. <laughs> It means like you lose a type of game forever then by that logic. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the other part of it too is like, okay, by that logic then, why aren't we allowed to sit and watch other people watch movies on YouTube? (laughs) Think about it. Yeah. There's no difference. It's just because it's a movie. No, you can't do that. It's a movie because movies aren't supposed to be like, let's watch it or let's play. It's like, it's insane. What's the difference between watching somebody play a video game and watching a movie? In this case, nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Like, if a movie gets put up on YouTube, that sucker gets pulled down, like, right away. And what's the difference between that and a story-driven adventure game? There's no difference whatsoever. I mean, I... Not enough of one to matter, and 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 certainly not enough of one to, you know, not be able to use the same lost sales argument. Yeah, I honestly feel like, you know, for certain genres, like, Let's Play should probably be illegal. Like, either that or there's some kind of a revenue sharing setup where mm-hmm. they get, like, a, like the developer gets a cut of the money from the yeah. ad revenue for those Let's Plays. I think plays. a revenue sharing setup is, is the most logical way to go about because you're never going to be able to clamp that down completely. They clamp it down um, for films. Yeah, but, like, part of that comes from, like, you know, the power of the movie studios being able to, you know, control content. But you, It's you not even the power of the studios, though. It's the ability to ID match because mm-hmm. with the movie, it's the same every time. So you can create that image. Mm-hmm. that you can then match other people's content to. With a video game, it never plays the same way twice. It's like, even a game like this, like, just walking a little differently, mm-hmm. that creates a different image that makes it hard to well, match. That's, I mean, that's why they use music. Because somewhere in there, you're going to pick up that snatch of music that, like, that helps too. matches. Yep. But then, I mean, look at, you can also look at, like, all the, li- the way they do the Let's Play stuff, where, like, there's, you know, there's a picture of them up here, and there's, like, you know, horns going off when people subscribe or whatever, you know, like, it off. like they're all completely, like, random, yeah. al- almost, in that regard. Um, I don't know how you police that, so I think just sort of, you know, a, some form of revenue sharing would be the most well, logical. it's not that hard to, to place it, you just search it. Search right. for well, the some game. Some form of revenue sharing would make the most sense, but, like, I don't know if YouTube is equipped to do that, and I don't know if YouTube is interested in becoming equipped to do that. Well, here's what happens with YouTube, and this just happened with the last episode of Pactor Factor, and I'm just so sick of dealing with YouTube, I didn't even fight it this time. Um, we had a piece, a little piece of footage for from Lego in uh, the last episode of Pactor Factor that went on YouTube. He's talking about Toys to Life. And uh, basically, there was a 15-second clip from a Lego game in there, mm-hmm. and they make all the revenue off of that video. All of it. Wow. 15 seconds out of a 19-minute show, and they make all the revenue from it. All of it. Copy- that's, how, that's how it works. That's how YouTube is set up. Copyright law is amazing. 
It's not even law. Like it, the thing is, it's like it is fair use. Like he's talking about the Lego Toys to Life you, game, but you can't fight it. It's not worth it. Like, it's not worth it. It's no. not worth it. Like the amount of views that Pactor Factor gets on YouTube is just not worth the hassle. So I was just like, go ahead, make your money, Lego. Like, mm-hmm. and I think part of it too is like, yeah, people just give up because, and that's what happened with YouTube. That's how YouTube. And I talked about this on the GT show about how YouTube kind of helped with the demise of GT because people were up stealing our content and uploading it there. It's such a huge beast. It's like Viacom gave up. Mm-hmm. They were like, we'd have to hire a hundred people to sit and search YouTube all day to find all the content that's being stolen from Viacom and post it on the website. You just can't. So. You're right, though. Music ID match is a good thing yeah. to do. And, and it works. Nintendo's very good at finding their stuff. Well, right. They they hire. They will hire right. the 100 people to look for that stuff. Mm-hmm. But well, you remember, you remember that? They look? also ID all their trailers. So oh, when right. they upload a trailer, they put it through YouTube system. So any little snippet mm-hmm. of that trailer that you use, it'll pick it up. And then they make all the revenue off your well, you remember, like, I don't I God, what was it? I don't remember where it was. But I remember an interview years and years ago from a guy who, like, in the 90s had worked as... His job at Nintendo was he combed through all popular media to find references to Nintendo's products, and if anything was like you know not okay by Nintendo standards, he would flag it and chase it down and see Call if he could lawyers. get rid of it. Yep. And like he and he's like, I watched a lot of porn uh, with Waiting Mario. Waiting for in it. Mario. Yeah, you know, it's like it, it's <laughs> like they really do actively police that, but I don't think you know. That, that that dragon cancer guy probably doesn't have the bandwidth to no, do that. No, you don't. And you're a small guy. It's like you against the world, basically. It's you versus the internet. And you yeah. versus the internet, you lose every time. Uh, but it, look, it made me sick to see how many people had made so much money. I mean, some of these Let's Plays had like five and six million views. That's like six grand just from that one video right there. Like, And you just see one after another after another. You see all these people sitting in their bedrooms making money for playing this game for two hours. These guys worked on this game probably 70 hours a week for two years straight mm. and are in the hole. Like, it's just wrong. Like, something has to be yeah. fixed. I mean, I just don't... I mean, if I were in the position of the YouTubers, I would be more than happy to... You know, especially... I mean, if Ubisoft bugs me about it, I'd be less sympathetic. But if, like, an independent developer by, who made a game based on something, certainly something so personal with such a small team, it's like, hey, like, we need to get in on this, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. A lot of these arguments... About this and about you know the same especially because the YouTube, these let's play let's players you can just let's play another game right like you've got all these games lined up for you to make this money off of and this one game needs some help but see here's the thing Matt is that the games that really do well with let's plays are games like this right because people are like I don't want to spend the money on them I can get everything I need out of this game by sitting and watching the game like uh, Firewatch actually ended up doing pretty well. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of the rare games in this genre that actually sold really well. Soma still hasn't broken even. Still. Yeah. It's been out for months and months and months. Even and, after it was on so many, you know, best of the year lists. And why do you think that is? People watching watch on YouTube already. for the jump scares and whatnot. Like, it's a real problem. And, like, a lot of the arguments I see against this are the same arguments that I, that I see and then delete on <laughs> the YouTube version of my discussion about GT about Adblocker. Like, you would, well, you probably would believe it, but probably 70% of the comments on that video are just rants against me about Adblocker. Mm-hmm. And I delete them, almost all of them. Like, if people are respectful and they pose a good argument, sure. But most of them are just like, 
Screw you, Shane. You don't know what I. You don't know what you're talking. That's the that's the one I really enjoy. You don't know what you're talking about. Actually, I do know what I'm talking about. I lived it. Like you're just some kid surfing the internet. Like you don't know what you're talking about. I have noticed that a, a, a very large number of uh, people who do not work in the industry who think they know more about what you're talking about than you do. Oh yeah, of course. Not just on this topic too. I've seen a lot of that around the oh, internet, yeah. and it's kind of amazing. Especially when it comes to game trailer stuff. It's like he doesn't know. I'm like. He was in the middle of like, it. Was, it was me, bro. Like, it's Like, funny. did you yell that at, like, Lieutenant Winters after, like, they were in Band of Brothers? Like, it's like, yeah. you don't know what the Battle of the Bulge was. Like, yeah. it's, like, it's like, what the... F- I watched it on television, so I know better <laughs> yeah. than you. I read a book once. Yeah. I'm guessing you're probably referencing NeoGAF, where everybody hates me. Not just there. No, it's, it's, it's all, you know, some places, other places as well. But, yeah, that's where, that's where the threads pop up. Yeah, NeoGAF hates me for whatever reason. I'll never figure it out because all I've tried to do is serve those kids, but whatever. Well, you don't say the things they want to believe, I guess. I guess so. That must be part of it. So, I don't know. I feel like something has to change here, Matt. Like these... I think so. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on this one. I don't... You know, I, I, I don't... I, the YouTubers come off as greedy and the... Uh, even as someone... And entitled. I, I didn't buy that Dragon Cancer. I did not play it. Yeah. Um, but I also didn't watch a Let's Play of it. Mm-hmm. I will probably get around to it eventually. Yeah. Uh, maybe sooner rather than later, now that I know that the dude needs needs some, some sales. Yeah. But, like, um, it would never occur to me to watch like, a video of a game and decide I don't need to play that game because of it. And I, I, while I don't think that's an unreasonable conclusion in some games, that's yeah. also, like, a game like that, I wouldn't watch. I'd yeah. play it. That's me. I'm a player. Yeah, you also can afford to buy pretty much whatever game you want. Yeah, or also I can afford to wait until it's like two bucks. You know, I mean, one day that game will be real cheap, and you know, maybe that's not the nicest way to go about purchasing your games from the indie circuit. But like, you know, I can't play them all. I can't buy them all. So, you know, one day it will be like, oh, it doesn't make any sense not to buy it for this price. So right. I'm just gonna get it, and like that's it'll that. be part of a humble bundle yeah. or something. A, big, a, a nice bundle or like some crazy Steam. I bought, I bought uh, some stupid RPG I'd never played on Steam the other day because it was 59 cents. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame that somebody made a game that affects so many people so strongly. Yeah. To make them cry. I mean, I think a video game... I don't know if it's, a video game's ever made me cry. Ever. No. This guy's created one that's made tons of people cry, and he can't even make his money back. A couple of them made me want to cry, but not for the reason. Yeah, you're exactly. <laughs> not because they made me sad. <laughs> but yeah, and again, you know, as I think two people that do espouse the games are art idea, like, well, here's here's a game being art in a way that we don't see very often. Yeah. Not in the sense that it's a narratively driven kind of, but it's about something very personal. It gets across emotions that I don't think it's easy to get across without the interactivity. Um, and again. You know, you can say that you get a similar experience from the Let's Play, but I think a lot of the emotional draw and a lot of emotional impact that it has if someone's watching the Let's Play comes from watching the Let's Player react to it. Sure. You know, they're your kind of avatar for the interaction. And, like, you see, oh, this person's being made very sad by experiencing this, so I'm going to be sad with empathy for that person because that's just how we are. Yeah. Um, So you are kind of, you know, you've kind of got this, like, emotional middleman uh, there in the let's in the form of the let's player, and uh, I can see why if you worked hard in years of your life and on this subject that was you know about the death of your child, you would probably look at that and say, "Oh, you got uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah." That must be the 
worst thing in the world. Well, I mean, second worst, because you already had the worst thing in the world happen to you. Yeah, exactly. But, like, um, for that to be compounded with this sort of, like, feeling of, like, well, they're taking this from me somehow. Like, yeah, like, I got, I got nothing but sympathy for the guy. So hopefully somehow, some way, he will make his money back on the game and maybe even turn a profit. Um, Eventually, but I think. More, I think but I think know. more importantly, like, hopefully something changes with YouTube with this stuff. Because, you know, again, like, these two-hour experiences, like, a lot of times they're disposable. But sometimes they're not. Like, sometimes they do something that other games haven't done. And, like, you need those experiences to push the whole medium forward in general. So, hopefully... Something can change there. They can figure out some kind of new ID program so that these developers don't have to spend crazy money hiring somebody to hunt down all the instances mm-hmm. of this stuff. But and hopefully you know what, though, chances that, are being realistic, none of this is ever going to happen. Probably not. But if it does, hopefully they do, the system also uh, does not instantly flag anyone who does just a review yeah. of them. Right. Because that's the thing is you don't want legitimate you know, fair use being caught up in that. Yeah, because the other part of it, too, is, like, you know, some of these people aren't saying anything. They're just playing the game. Like, mm-hmm. they don't even have any commentary over it. Their faces in it. It's just literally the game yeah. played. Well, because they know there's a market for it. Exactly. people who don't want to buy it. And they're it. not linking to the developers and saying this is where you can buy it. Like, they're just basically leeching money off of the hard work of these mm-hmm. people, which is pretty disgusting, in my opinion, so... The Wild West out there. It is, for sure. We're all learning, but some people are learning a little more slowly than others, I think. <laughs> or faster. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. If that's the kind of learning that it takes to be successful, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So, All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about probably the most high-profile VR game that was released with Oculus this week. Um, at least as far as reviews are concerned, it's probably getting the highest scores, although they've kind of been mm. all over the place. Uh, we're going to talk about Adrift. Now, you have not played it in VR. You've played no, I've only just played the 2D. Regular regular monitor. Controller. Yeah, Xbox 360 controller. Yeah. The whole deal. Um, Is know, it about, gravity in video game form? Uh, well, no, because there hasn't been nearly as much action. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> um, well, I mean, you're very slowly maneuvering your way through a wrecked space station. I mean, yeah. that's basically what's happening. And, like, you know, every once in a while in gravity, a giant swarm of debris will fly by and almost kill Sandra Bullock. And in this case, it's just like, no. Yeah. no it's just, you got to be just just jet over there and you just don't run out of oxygen. So it's, it's um, I mean, it's very, very pretty. Um, it's, uh, you know, the physics are impeccable. Uh, the, uh, you know, everything just looks like a real... Space station. It, it looks like they they thought very carefully about how everything would work uh, until you get to there's there's a couple of gamey elements, but I'll get to that. Um, but basically, uh, it starts after this giant space station has been ripped apart by something. It doesn't say. It doesn't and, tell you what. Uh, no, it's just something happens and you wake up and you are floating in space. And oh wow! You're this. You're, you were the. That's ca- pretty terrifying. Yeah, you were the <laughs> you were the captain or the the leader of this you know the crew on this thing. And you're the apparently the only survivor according to the computer, and you have to basically you know claw your way back because your suit, suit's leaking and it's damaged, and like you know you have to get you know you, there's like oxygen bottles floating everywhere, so you can like kind of pick that up, and like your propellant is broken or something, so basically the suit has to reroute oxygen into your propellant system, so like whenever you you know use a jet of you know to to change your direction or something you are spitting your breathing oxygen out and just so, like gravity right where they use their so if you like you know if you maneuver too badly or or too erratically or too constantly you will suffocate 
before you can get to the next. So you have box. basically have an air meter that controls both right. what you're breathing and your propulsion and your movement. Yeah, and it's slowly leaking the whole time. Oh wow! Uh, at least the beginning. Eventually, uh, it looks like maybe eventually you can fix the suit to a certain degree, uh, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. If that if that is indeed in the game. Um, so you have to maneuver your, your character uh, back in, and you kind of get to this like hub area uh, where all the computers are, and I guess there's like an escape vehicle, but to make the escape vehicle work, like the computers have to be online, and they're all like screwed up, so like you have to go like bring all of them back online, and each one requires you to go to a far different corner of the space station, all of which have been blown off the space station, so you have to kind of maneuver your way through empty space to get to them in these various... You know, conundrum areas, and some doors are locked, and some. You know, it's, it's very Metroid. Actually. What is the objective of the game? I think the. I think. I mean, the, other than surviving. I think the objective is to activate everything so the escape pod works and get back to so Earth. So fix the escape pod and get back to Earth. Yeah. Basically. Now the fact. Just that, like the gravity. Fact, the fact that the, es- <laughs> the fact that the escape pod doesn't work unless the machine, the space station is functioning perfectly, seems to be a flaw. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you you maybe want those systems to be on their own. I circuit. thought NASA was smarter than that. <laughs> this is like some future. Thing, yeah, like, it know, seems farther off than uh, Mission Control. Day. Seems everything seems to launch and come down in Santa Monica. Yeah, uh, which I'm I'm wondering where they put that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but and you know it's also you know it is a walking simulator. Just with it's no a walking. floating it's simulator. It's a floating simulator. Um, and uh, you know you gather you know the requisite you know audio logs and, and emails and stuff, and it starts to you know you start to kind of piece together what's going on. I have sort of an odd feeling right now that whatever happened to the space station was my fault. Right. Um, I don't know for sure, but it's just sort of... Some hints here and there. Yeah, you know, there's some sort of... You know, I'm sure they're going to get into the survivor's guilt thing at some point because every once in a while you have a moment where you see something and the, and the character, she'll, she'll like react to it like in a way that like clearly she feels responsible for it. Now, are you the only person in the game? So far. You haven't ran into anyone. I, so I've, no run into a, I, in space I've run into a corpse of another astronaut. Uh, and I have, but so far, like the the computer says everyone's dead. Will that still be? Right. The, right. I mean, who knows? Yeah. You know, I, you know, maybe I didn't cause it. Maybe someone else is in there doing it. But so, I mean, I mean, I admit when I first came in today, and Shane was running like, you know, the, you know, testing out the B roll he loaded into the TriCaster. He was running the beginning of Call of Duty Ghosts, and I looked up and I'm like, wow, a drift gets really different later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get I, a gun. <laughs> I haven't found the MP5 yet. I, I gotta, I gotta start checking every nook and cranny. But um, so it's like it's it's weird because it's like it's not for the impatient. Like if you you know eventually you're floating you're everywhere. Floating. It's really but eventually slow. like you find a um like a like a it's weird. You find like there's like little gamey elements where like you can find you find like an EVA suit repair station. So you get in it and like a big like laser goes over you and like fixes your suit. Like it uh, fixes the cracks in the glass. So there's some sci-fi. A little bit. I mean, it's like it's like oh, it's it's reconstituting the polymer of your view screen or so. So I guess it's remolding the plastic of your view screen. But the thing is, like, you lose air and you get like cracks in the view screen every time you bump into something too hard. Right. So like, you have to really maneuver yourself through this these areas and not ramp. You know, you can't just like. That's the patience part. Right. You're talking about. And like, there's long stretches of like empty space where like for so, for some reason. Your oxygen leaks like twice as fast when you're out of the small areas. Like uh-huh. when you get out into open space, the oxygen leak gets like way worse. And uh-huh. I'm like, I don't think anything works like that. Yeah, but, I don't you know, think. They... But the reason is to limit where you can go, so you can't just fly anywhere you want. You have and to just like break the whole game, right, basically. Right. Yeah. It's, again, it's like Metroid. And yeah. I, you know, and like the thing is, like when you yeah, get how, so how is it like Metroid? You mentioned that earlier. It's very lonely. You're a you're a solo woman in a suit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the basics. Yeah. 
you get to, you, you know you get to these little locations where you get to that thing. I reminded me of Metroid. Yeah. And just like when you you know you're looking for these like cores you have to fabricate for each type each computer system. And when you know so far when I've done that the the, the console room that lets you do that also will analyze your suit and lets you, lets you fix part of it. Uh, okay. So like the first one like fixed uh, the oxygen container on my suit. So instead of holding half a bar, I could hold the full bar. Right. And now that I could hold the full bar, I could get from that that you know the area I'd gotten to with that computer, I could then get back to the hub across the much larger gulf of space that I had to right, cross right. without my air leaking because it leaks so fast when you're in open space that way. So like each time it seems like it, so and other things are like disabled like I, I have a booster that doesn't work. I have like you know, the, the you have all these the abilities, and you start out with nothing. Yeah, you, but eventually you get these abilities, and those abilities not only make life in general easier, but they make you capable of getting to the next area. Yeah, so that's it's, very Metroid. So that's Metroid to me. Yeah. Um, Nobody, by the way, no one has mentioned this in any review I've read. Really? Nope. That's weird. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a, a great insight on your part, though, that you've kind of figured hmm. out that I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was one of the design aesthetics for think. this game. I mean, you know, and it, I mean, it helps that you're going through these circular doors that open and all yeah. that. Um, and, and no, the, I totally see it. Yeah, and the yeah. physics are great and really cool. You know, there's like weird little gamey things here and there, but that's okay. You know, it, Is it fun to play? Because mm, it honestly, it looks like one of those games where like the first hour you're kind of in awe. Yeah, but then after a while, you realize that you have to move around really slowly and like. Yeah, it's it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if I'd call it fun. Really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like it's not like anything else I'm playing right now or haven't yeah, played in a while. Good. You know, even though I have, you know, I did Firewatch and I did, you know, it's, so it's it's like a walking simulator except it's got like a neat twist in that you really have to deal with the environment and the physics. And I'm getting better at maneuvering around and stuff. It's actually not that hard. I mean, it's not it's not like a super unforgiving physics engine. Like they yeah. they, they do kind of like cheat a little bit to make it more playable. Um, but there's like little things where you know you've got a little mini map, little, little mini like radar thing, but it's not very good at telling you the height of something. So uh, there was one point where I was like, I kept like looking for it in this one area, and I'd go out of the station and look around. I said, out here is that it? And then I like my oxygen started running. I was running out of oxygen bottles, and I'm like. Oh, this is the challenge of this game: is to like figure out where I need to be, what I need to do, what I need to look at before out of oxygen. I run out of my my supplies. So it's um, and then all of a sudden it became a little tense. So I was like, and you know, and I haven't died in the game yet, so it's not super hard. But I, you know, that's only after like the first section. So I wonder if it's really going to get interesting. You know, I'm wondering how varied they can make kind of the environmental challenges in this game. Um, you know, and keep it fresh for yeah. however long Because it could it just be a one-trick pony. Yeah, I don't where know. Where it's like... I mean, get, I don't know how long the game is. You get know? through this obstacle course before your oxygen run, runs right. out. That's pretty much the primary mechanic, right? That's a fair way of describing it. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and But again, the fact that, like, the suit gets, like, slightly upgraded each time you hit a milestone, like, it makes but it more like, interesting to But then, like, the next obstacle then the course next thing is a little be, longer. Yeah, everything's going to be a little longer. <laughs> it's going to require you to do these things. It doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. It just kind of scales along with how much it oxygen It just allows you, you to tackle a different kind of challenge. So who would you recommend this game format? Um, people who like, like, the walking simulator stuff, but they think it's a little too, you know... Boring. Boring. If, it, if you'd really like a Z-axis, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's different. It's very different. Uh, I mean, I'm sh in VR, I bet it's amazing. 
Like I, I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm playing it. Hold I'm your to, lunch down. Trying to imagine, like looking down at the Earth and all that. Right. I mean, it's just. I'm sure it's incredible. If you have an Oculus Rift, just don't even think about it. Just get the thing. Yeah. Like, just do it. Like, it'll. I mean, I think it looks beautiful on my screen already. Just look. Oh, you know, it's a gorgeous game. You can just see the yeah. footage we're running. I almost right now. died a couple times just because I kept looking at stuff. Like out, when you're out in the middle of space, because at a certain point, like you can't just constantly boost to where you're going because you'll because your oxygen's leaking so fast that you'll you know you kind of gotta. You know, go in one direction and let you know inertia carry you there. Right, and right. while I'm doing that, I'll just like turn around and look at stuff and look at <laughs> and, 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 and it's incredible. Like, and the yeah. detail, like just the the little like particles of you also have a monster of, PC. Yeah, but I mean, it looks good on any setting. I've yeah. tried it on medium settings, and it's you know still looks great. Uh-huh. Um, the one thing I was disappointed with in terms of visuals and physics and stuff is that things don't really impact your visor. So like there's a room there was a room where like there were droplets of water everywhere and I kept trying to run into the water to make it it just goes over you uh, it doesn't it doesn't splash against your visor at all so I was like oh I wanted to really pull the water physics out of this you know or you wanted to touch the water to make it splinter into like yeah. five drops of water and just kind of play with the whole physics that you way you know I didn't try that I should I should see if that's possible give it a whirl because if you hit the button you know you hold the button to interact with something but if there's nothing there to interact with your character just kind of swipes Waves, at the yeah. air to like knock something out of the way uh-huh. and I wonder if it w- that would work for the for the water are there large floating like globules of water yeah I mean, in the game yeah they're like you know a couple inches in diameter a couple of them cool. it looks like so yeah and they're and you know there's floating stuff everywhere, and like you can, and even all, like all the paper and stuff that's floating, like you can read it if it's if there's oh, writing. Really? On, like you can read the writing on it and stuff. It's really it's the the attention to detail is incredible. How much does this retail for? Twenty. Twenty. That's not bad. Yeah. And, and I, how long have you played it? About an hour and a half. Okay. Um, I would say. I think I read that it's only a few hours long. I so. would guess I'm about a quarter, maybe through, maybe more. Maybe Just by a third. looking at like your air gauge, well, because like, whatever. well, because like when you look in, um, in like the hub, you kind of like where you have to repair all the computers. There's four monitors. The first one's active, and then you have to bring back stuff to fix that. And now I'm fixing the next one, so it looks like there's four major. I would say there's four major excursions in okay. the game. That would be my guess. And there's probably like a fi- like an end game where you try to get in the. the Escape thing and something goes wrong and you have to like Metroid your way out with a timer or something. Maybe that wouldn't surprise yeah. me either. Yeah, me either. <laughs> but that that's not a. I'm that is total speculation. I'm not. A, I'm, that's not a spoiler unless I'm, unless I'm right. <laughs> unless you're right, and then it is. <laughs> <laughs> but then I spoil it for myself too. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So I don't, I would guess it's it feels like it's four to five hours maybe. Yeah. But I wouldn't. You know. I I have no idea. I've done no research on game length or content in that you're regard. You're just playing it because I'm just playing. Yeah, I'm just playing it. All right, cool. So, uh, if you know, if you're easily frustrated by slow games, don't touch it. Like you're gonna, you're gonna just get annoyed by the fact that sometimes you got to just hit the jets once and then just let yourself float let it to happen. the space. To, you know, <laughs> let it happen. And there's a lot of looking around through very identical looking environments because you know it's a space station. It's all modular. So like you know, so every once in a while I hit a point where I'm just like, wasn't I in here before? Nope, I was just in a room that looks exactly like this one. You know? yeah. But there's usually little slight differences if you pay attention. But like, you, you know, it really wants you to pay attention. Um, and again, if you have an Oculus, like, no brainer. Like, what are you even listen, still listening to me for? Like, try it, do it. Yeah. I'm sure in VR, this thing is incredible. All right, so let's move on to the next topic of the big six. So this week, uh, Japanese executive at Sony went on record saying that it's a possibility that PlayStation VR, the head-mounted display, mm-hmm. could potentially end up working with the PC. 
I was shocked to see this. So was I, because Sony doesn't do that. It, it, I mean, Sony exclusives do not come to the PC. I just, what's the logic here? I, that sounds like a contingency plan if it just does not work on the console. Yeah. Like, if they don't sell enough on the console to justify its existence, they will sh- shift to a PC model and be kind of the, the, the economy VR version. You know? I just, I don't see any way, shape, or form that this works. I, I just, just don't understand why they'd, why you'd say it. And why, why would Sony, like you said, release any first part? Look, even if it's just first party PlayStation VR games, why would it release any first party games on another platform? I don't think they would. I don't either. So like, what good is PlayStation VR on PC then? I think, I, I think that's all it would be. It would be like, oh, you don't want to pay $600 for, a, for an Oculus Rift? Here's our $400 one. Yeah, but the software has to work with it. Well, it's just drivers. I think it's more complicated than that. Depends. Depends like how intricate an experience they're trying to be. You know, if they just want to be, hey, put a put a thing on your head and see things in 3D. There you go. You know, like, I, mean, I don't. I don't think they're going for the boutique experience here. I think they would just be going for some kind of like you know, you want a, you want a relatively cheap headset that can do kind of VRE things. Like here's a PSVR for your PC. I'm wondering if it's only for theater view. I could. I, w- I would not be surprised about that. Just watching movies. Television on yeah. Netflix or whatever. Mm. Um, Look, already, I mean, what does that mean? So, I mean, like, you're going to have a PlayStation camera on your PC, too, to make that? Like, you know, how far do you go? You make the Move controllers work on the PC as well? Like, it just seems like a... I mean, that's just an unprecedented move for Sony. And it doesn't seem like, why would you want to get into that fight? Because I feel like by the time they get around to that, Oculus is going to have that done. locked up. It's yeah. over. There's no, there's no market, unless it launches day and date, Working with PC, there's no market for yeah. Sony in PC VR. There's just not. So I don't know what that guy is really talking me of. Do you think maybe he's floating this out there just to massage consumers so that if they're having second thoughts and maybe that's that one little thing that puts it over the top? Well, one day it might work with PC too. Maybe I don't. I don't. I can't even speculate on the logic on this one. I, it, it's. It's so out of character for them. It really is. I mean, if you're going to put anything on PC that people desperately want from Sony, like, just do a PC version of Bloodborne. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> like, people, I think people would much rather have a PC version of Bloodborne than a PC version of PSVR. Yeah. I just, I am struggling to see the logic behind this at all. I mean, look, I'm also struggling still to see the logic of the PlayStation 4.5. Yeah, well... And does this tie into it? Is this a part of that? I don't know how that would be, but... I don't know. The more, the more like, we hear these weird little things, I just feel like we're wandering into a whole new weird area of the game, the, the history of gaming here. Like, it's... The times the, they are a-changing. Yeah, the VR thing is going to, you know... Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the cultural... Sh- I saw someone post uh, earlier this week calling, calling normal, like, monitors dead rectangles. <laughs> as though, like, you know... 2D displays are forever dead and obsolete. It's like, no, dude. Yeah. It's gonna... <laughs> Just like Take 3D it. TVs killed uh, 2D viewing. Yeah, yeah. Easy, bro. <laughs> yeah. 15 years from now, maybe. There's a, look, there's yeah. a lot of people putting a head-mounted display on for the first time this week. Oh, yeah. And look, it is going to blow their minds. It blew my mind the first time I did it at a trade show. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my God, this is going to like change everything. No and doubt. But there's still, you still have a long way to go before the masses kind of adopt that. No, I agree a thousand percent. I'm just saying yeah. I kind of understand why some people... It's like people... the PlayStation 4K. It's just like, it's, it's like oh, it's, but it's, everything's 1080p and 60. And, and, and most people that, that, you know, your average consumers be like, what is that? What does that what mean? Are those numbers? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> they don't know. No, what they, what they, they are don't is know like, it's inferior. They're like, but I have a 1080p TV, so it's always yeah, right. in 1080p. It's always in 1080p. It's called upscaling. <laughs> yeah. It's great. No, they don't even know Does upscaling. it support Auto Motion Plus? They <laughs> just assume because their TV is 1080p that everything that is displayed on yeah, well, it is 1080p. The little creatures in nature, they don't know that they're ugly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I wish I could be ignorant something like that sometimes, just oblivious yeah. to the facts. Or like it's like going home and being and all the all the TVs at your parents' house. Like, why are all the aspect ratios wrong? You're watching everything in stretched. What is this? Yeah, stretched like, or yeah, or it's like they've been running it in like four by three, <laughs> and it's like permanently burned like black bars into the side of their TV. <laughs> it's funny. Like, oh, we got the Xbox 360. Why is it? Why are you? Why do you have composite hooked into an <laughs> HDMI converter? Yeah. Where did you even buy this? Where did you guys? Who told you to buy this? It's so odd, man. You know we're going to be like that someday. People are going to come to our house oh, yeah. and be we'll like, be, what are you... <laughs> we'll have our VR signals backwards. Yeah, and like, exactly. We'll be all like racist to the robot servants <laughs> and stuff. You know, so it, 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 you know we'll, we'll get there. We will, yeah. <laughs> really something to look forward to there. Dad, you're so intolerant of the cyborgs. I don't know what's wrong with you. It's, yeah. it's like, in my day, <laughs> in my day, people were all flesh. <laughs> And we liked it. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the, I'll, I'll cut limbs off to have bionic arms. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so here at the end of the, this whole discussion, I think that this is all just bull crap. Like either he's completely talking out his butt and it's never going to happen. Or if it does happen, it's just going to be like a theater mode type thing where it's really nothing more than like the Samsung Gear VR. Like, one of, like where it's just like you can... You won't play games with it. It'll just be mm. a passive experience. You watch movies, you watch films. Maybe there's like some of those interact, vaguely interactive like VR experiences where you can kind of like look around an environment. Um, but I really don't see it being a case where you are playing VR games with PlayStation VR on PC where you're actually interacting with the objects in the VR world, I guess mm. is the best way to put it. That would be a, that would be a pretty impressive trick. It would be like... And you're right. Like, are they going to make a PlayStation camera that works for PC? Because that plug that plugs into the back of your PlayStation 4, there's no plug like no, that on a PC. No, it'll be a whole different set of hardware. <laughs> they will create a dongle or yes. an HDMI adapter like oh, you are talking about. Yeah. <laughs> VR to HDMI. Yeah, very, exactly. very fancy. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I think this will probably end up just being a non-story story. Yeah, well, especially because like I feel like um, you know what what the Amazon's PlayStation VR you know core bundle like pre-orders sold out in about three minutes. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I went and pre-ordered mine yesterday. So did I. I did you? I, I got one on Amazon when they went live. Whatever that uh, Tuesday morning. I physically walked into a GameStop. Brave man. Talked to <laughs> other human beings. <laughs> And put my credit card down and pre-ordered the the core uh, bundle of PlayStation VR. Um, I put I had to put a hundred down at GameStop, mm. which was like the minimum. They're like, well, the minimum is a hundred bucks. How much are you gonna put down? I'm like a hundred. Like yeah. who puts down like any more than yeah, that? Yeah, GameStop Inc. Take more of my money to make interest on in the intervening. That's months. exactly like, what yeah. they do. Yeah, that's exactly why they want you to put more. I I think it's ridiculous. I had to put a hundred dollars down to reserve one. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it'd be one thing if it was like something that wasn't gonna sell anyway. Right, like, like dude, a hundred dollars. I was like, really? That's a lot. I thought I'd have to put down like twenty. So I went with Amazon because they don't ask anything. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. And, yeah. of course, I asked him, I'm like, if I don't want this, like, do I get my money back? Like, I don't have to buy this. And he's like, yeah, sure. And gave me a fist bump on the way out. Yeah, so Whatever. <laughs> we'll transfer it to any game pre-order you want. Yeah. I haven't. I hadn't been inside a GameStop for I don't know how long. 
Yeah, I went in. I was in a GameStop the other like the other day. Oh, you maybe, were? Maybe it was yesterday because we're because we're next to it. We were, we were right. at Target and it's right there. And I yeah. walked in, and I bought I bought a Roy Amiibo. Oh, really? Yeah. People there are really nice. Seemed knowledgeable. Yeah. I was afraid that they'd like pre-order the wrong I don't really have bad bundle. GameStop experiences with the people who work there. It's all yeah. with like I don't like their policy. I don't like that yeah. they're a pawn shop. Yeah, basically. that's really what it's it is. It's not the fault of the people who work there. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so yeah, I did order it. Also, I think we may be getting an Oculus. From, really? From Oculus. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I finally found the right nice. PR person, and they're like, oh, well, obviously you caught us at the exact wrong time because we just launched, right. and we don't have any units, but when we get more in, we'll send you one. So it looks like Sift is going to be getting hooked up with an Oculus, which is pretty sweet. So All right. now if I can just save some money to Sift, get the Sift vibe. Is, Sift is plugging into the Matrix. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> we'll see about that. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think this is going to so, be... So can we, uh, like, if, if, we're, if we both end up getting our PlayStation VRs, we'll do the show that week in the Virtual goggles. reality, yeah. We'll just wear the goggles all the time and you just look at us. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun for the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> if you can only see what we see. We can maybe, you know what, that new playroom, we actually may be able to do something. Like, once we get a hold of the software, like, there may be a way to do a show in VR. Yeah. Or maybe Wouldn't that be crazy? That's Facebook's ultimate goal. It is. Is basically to get people meeting together in a in a virtual room. I mean, that playroom for PlayStation VR, it kind of looks like yeah. it might do that. Since it's the only thing that comes with the system. Or it, I mean, yeah, exactly. Or at the very least, maybe it's just like a few people and yeah. like every like maybe we could do like one episode a month in VR and just have like a few people that we pick mm-hmm. to come in and like actually be in the show with us in VR. Yeah, like 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 the Pactor Factor question. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. So we'll see. I love what I love though is how it's opening up all these avenues to think about things in different ways and do things in different ways. So mm-hmm. it'll excited. be interesting to see what like the Mario sixty four of VR is. Yeah, like, you know the games that codify the experience. I think it's we're still waiting. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But like those are they're coming. I think a drift. People thought a drift was going to be that. Yeah, I mean it's certainly. Here's the thing: is like I think if you play a drift without VR and you didn't know it was a VR game, you'd never really think twice about it because it's not—it's yeah. very pretty, but it's not really any different from anything you've already played in terms of a first-person game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, like you know, I think that we're still waiting for the VR games that are like, "Wow, this is something that takes this way of depicting this this interactive medium and changing how you use it." Yep. So, and it's exciting because, like you know. Let's face it, we were, we were kind of out of those for the, you know, the standard way of playing video games. Right, and so like, yeah. we're kind of back in this like, kind of, you know, wilderness with New it frontier, again. And it's yeah. cool. It's, you know, it's, it's always nice to have those. It's exciting. Here. I've seen some comments on like, uh, social media when we post like, the episodes, like the archives. Like, a lot of people have been like, I'm sick of hearing about VR. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt sad when I read that. Seriously. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you saw on NeoGAF, uh, Evil Lore, the owner. I honestly have not been on NeoGAF in like eight months. I love I love NeoGAF. I go there every day. I don't need but, to go anymore. It's like I have Well, true. Uh, you can just see the stories. But sometimes I like to see what people react to. Um, and uh, Evil Lore posted like a, his, like a sticky at the top. But basically, you know, the owner of the site, and he basically said, uh, VR is a real thing. It's just as important as new systems being launched. And there's going to be a lot of threads about it. There's going to be a lot of talk about it. And, like, if you don't care about VR, just stay out of them. Right. It's basically just like, okay, everybody. Don't anybody, grief. Yeah, but every, and also, like, everyone who's excited about VR, you should be excited about VR. It is a big thing. New, you know, new threads for new news. The whole, like, he basically said, like, you know, I am the owner and I'm saying, get excited about it. Post everything you want about it. Talk about it as much as you want. This is real. This is, you know, all these things are important. 
and you know, no one should be like, oh, keep raining it all, on the parade. Yeah, no one should be like, oh, it should just, there should just be a VR thread, and you should just all post in there. It's like, no, this is this is a real new thing. And I wonder too if how many of those people that are the naysayers are people who aren't going to be able to afford one, and maybe they feel like they're being left in the dust a little bit, or maybe they're maybe. afraid that like, you or know, even if they don't can't if they're not even necessarily can't afford one, or just don't want to spend right. that kind of money for like, it's like. You know, I'm sure if, if you really love the idea of having like a cutting edge kind of experience with, with video games and all of a sudden it's like you're kind of being blackmailed into spending like 600 bucks on this thing, I can see how you'd feel that yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah. even the fear of like if you're not interested in it being kind of mm-hmm. left alone. It's yeah. like, you well, know. That, I mean, also- there was there was sentiment uh, similar to that when the Wii blew up. Yeah. It was like, well, what if games are like this from now on and I don't want to play them? Right, yeah. yeah that was a real... Is my was hobby going to go away? It was a legitimate yeah. worry. Yeah. Um, you know, and it proved to be <laughs> slightly unfounded. <laughs> slightly. But, I mean, but I, I totally understand that. I mean, I wasn't too worried about it because I thought it was a fad from the start, more or less. But, like, yeah. I totally understand why someone would be worried about that and upset about it. And, some, and when you're that upset about it, if, some, if it's something that's important to you, you lash out. Yeah. I don't think you should be worried about it, though. Anybody who's watching so. this show right now, like, look, I've tried all the VR. It's awesome. I really love mm-hmm. it. But... Traditional gaming is not going away. No. And well, it's, I, just, it's never going to go away. It's just like mobile. It's like mobile's yeah. not going to take over traditional gaming. Right. There will always be a Call of Duty. There will always be a Mass Effect. There will always be yeah. those kinds of games because people will still want them. Right. But it is really exciting, people. Like, yeah. if you haven't tried it yet, like, it is really flipping cool and it is completely different. And it, it's a new it's paradigm. It's exciting. Like, yeah. It's, and we're going to talk about it on Game Face. Like, that's yeah. just the and way it is. And it's not like, you know, it's not like this is replacing games. It's a new yeah. kind of game and in look, the end. And we're going to keep talking about traditional games on Game Face as well. But this is like, look, this is like the first big shift since like the N64. Like, yeah. it is a big it's, deal. It's the biggest thing since, you know, polygons. Polygonal. Basically. Yeah, polygonal graphics. So we're going to talk about it. And, you know, as yeah. the games get better, we'll probably talk about it even a little bit more than we are right now. So Hours and hours spent trying to tweak that stupid Unreal entrance title screen thing so the particle effects didn't look right (laughs) oh 3dfx cards yeah yeah oh i remember good times yep for sure all right let's move on to the last topic of the big six and what you're seeing right now is an illusion (laughs) we're not really talking about final fantasy 15 we originally wanted to but because of the scheduling conflict with the live stream and their live stream unfortunately we weren't able to watch the uh the uh, the live broadcast to know what's going on. So probably it'll be a next week's show. Although sadly, it's like it really sucks to be right on the cusp. Yeah, we're like an hour away yep. from being able to talk about it on this week's show. Right. Next well, week, also like feel care. free to like uh, tell us in the chat like what happened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, fill us in. Yeah, obviously we've been sitting here staring at cameras for the last hour plus. So. Yeah, feel free in the chat to let us know anything big that happened or anything mind-blowing. When they but, showed, is anybody, yeah, when does the demo go up? Like, yeah, yeah. Thing. so we do have a replacement topic for this one that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about Metal Gear. Um, so Game Informer this week put up, they did a great feature on basically the history of voice acting in Metal Gear, the Metal Gear Solid franchise. So... I don't know if you remember or not, back when there was the whole Kojima Konami dust up, and mm-hmm. I kind of made the point that, like, you know, everyone's kind of demonizing Konami, but, you know, maybe at the end of the day it isn't all Konami, and maybe Kojima has a little bit of blame in this whole thing. And, and all honesty, I was surprised. Like, people didn't flame you over it. Like, I really thought people were going to be like, you know what you're talking about, you're insane, but 
people were actually pretty receptive to that idea. This feature that Game Informer did where they interviewed all the people who were involved with Metal Gear VoiceOver from the beginning until now was quite an eye-opener. It was great, mm-hmm. by the way, and you should check it out on Sifted. It was curated to the site. It's long. It's like an hour long, but it is worth it. Mm-hmm. So they interviewed David Hayter, and I never thought I would ever hear some of the stuff that was coming out of his mouth. Matt, did you watch the, the whole thing? I read a transcript of it. I wasn't able to watch it. But, uh... Wow. wow. Hater's gonna hate. He hater <laughs> gonna celebrate, too. Yeah. Yeah, he has no love for Kojima whatsoever. No. Says None. he never met him. Oh, I didn't even see that yeah, part. Yeah, he said, he, he said, he said I, you know, I'm sure he's a good, you know, creative person. I've never met him, but, like, I, as a businessman, I, have, I don't really think much of him. So, the thing was, he, they were trying to get rid of him as the voice of Snake since Metal Gear Solid 3 mm-hmm. Snake Eater. Long time ago. Like, Kojima wanted him out a lot, like, in the PlayStation 2 era. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'll, I will say this, though. Um, Metal Gear Solid 3 is about the time I, f- I felt like Hater's voice wasn't cutting it anymore. Hmm. Like, I, I, here's the, like, I don't have any malice towards David Hater or his performances in the older games. Yeah. But I think game voice acting improved a lot. You know, from Metal Gear Solid 1 to about right, you know, around the time of 3 and continuing to this day. And at a certain point, he just sounded like he was doing an impression of himself. No, you're right. I'd agree with that. Like, I still think, like, even in that interview, he was doing the voice. Mm-hmm. And it's like he was acting. Like, and look, it is called voice acting. Right. But a lot of voice actors, when they do their, when they practice their craft, you can't tell they're acting. Right. Like, you think like, that I don't, is their I never voice. felt like he held his own in that game again. I can't remember the actor who, it just did, sounds who fake. did the boss. It sounds like but somebody... She, she was, like, really there and selling the drama in that game, and I didn't feel like... And then, like, she'd say something, and I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, wow. And then Snake would be like, like, why did you abandon me? And I'm just like, dude, like, we need someone who doesn't sound like a caricature from a John Carpenter 80s movie. It really here. does sound sometimes like he's just putting on, like, a fake voice. And in that that uh, video the Game Informer put out, like, he does the voice. Like, he jumps into it and out of it mm-hmm. and into it and out of it. And it's a totally, like, a put-on thing. Like, he even talks about how he has to, like, specially breathe and kind of swallow his words so they come from like the back of his throat it's like like you watch nolan north work mm-hmm. he doesn't do that crap no. like he he can he changes his voice he doesn't always sound the same but it's not like this kind of like trick that he's doing mm-hmm. i guess is the best way to put it and that's what david Hayter does yeah. when he does snake it's like this trick that he does with his voice and there's nothing wrong with doing that for a voice acting role but like when you're, as long as it's a bit part, right? It's like when your when your role is is like the main character of the entire game. I mean, you know, I'm sure at the time he didn't realize he was going to do like six more right. games, and yeah. like they were going to have hours and hours and hours and hours of dialogue. I can't even imagine how much tea that guy went through oh, in, yeah. in a day. And but it's like I, I feel like you know it fits in with the kind of presentation of one and two for the most part. But, like, they, they, you know, not that I ever thought the storytelling in Metal Gear really hit the point of, like, being good. Yeah. But, like, there's a step up between two and three in terms of the voice presentation. And I feel like Snake's voice in that feels like a throwback. And I can, un- def- I can also understand why they'd want to replace him because it's a different character. Yeah. And that's Big Boss. It's not Solid Snake. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if they were... I, I'm not surprised they didn't manage to land Kurt Russell for that, which apparently yeah. was the guy who they wanted for Big Boss in, uh, in yeah. uh, Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, and I'm trying to picture that, and I can't. I can't I can't that. picture yeah. Kurt Russell doing that part. 
that's hard. That's really hard for me. Um, you know, what was it? Uh, I mean, I, look, Peter I, Sutherland made more sense to me when I heard he was going to be. But then they yeah, didn't even use him. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to say. Is like, you know, at the end of the day, in the latest Metal Gear, like Kiefer Sutherland hardly had any lines at all. Like yeah. Snake didn't hardly talk. Not in game. I mean, he, in the audio logs, yeah. Right, in, right. The, in the game itself, he had hardly anything. He's like a mute, basically. Yeah. Most of his voice acting seemed to be heavy breathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you ran long enough. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice work, keeper. I'm really shocked. I actually did not see that. That he said he had never met Kojima. I, that's what it said. It said in the quote that I picked up. It said some. It said uh, I'm not getting it verbatim. I'm sure, but he basically said like you know I I uh, I never met the man, but I'm sure he's uh, you know he seems very creatively you know adept, but he doesn't seem like a very good businessman to me because of how he, basically in, referring to how uh, Hater felt he'd been treated right. in terms of being the voice of Snake for so long and then being you know tried to have been cast away. Basically, well, in that video for, of the Game Informer posted like there are people that worked with him and beside him that basically back him up. Like, mm-hmm. pretty much everything he says, they're all like, he's right. Like, that happened. Like, it wasn't handled right. We were put in weird positions where we were kind of told to be, like, the bad guy and we didn't agree with the decision, and, but we were the person who had to, like, mm-hmm. deliver the message. Like, it honestly just sounds like Kojima Studio and Konami and that whole thing was just crazy dysfunctional. Like, yeah. Like... Now it's so funny when all this news started first breaking. Like me too, my personally, I felt the same way. Like it was hard for me to believe that all this was happening, because you look at Metal Gear, you're like it's a golden ticket. Like keep making the games, everyone's happy. Konami makes a ton of money. Kojima's happy. He makes a ton of money. He has creative freedom to do whatever he wants with his games. Like it's just, it seemed like too perfect of a setup, and. Then it starts to crumble, and you're like, how could that be? But then you start hearing, like, the stories from behind the scenes, and it's like it all starts to kind of add up and make sense why it wasn't going to work long term. So I think what I would take away from this is, like, never judge the book by its cover. Yeah. Or even... And also never assume that, like, you know, your heroes that you have in the industry are, like, these squeaky clean, like... Like, I would say I probably... Look at Miyamoto that way, but I'm probably mm. wrong. Like I'm sure there are people who probably worked with Miyamoto. They're like, he's a jerk. Oh, like, I think just about anybody who's on the Metroid Prime team will tell you that. Yeah, because didn't it's they just, say that he would come and they'd be like, it was like Darth Vader coming yeah. to the Death Star, he, like, and he would just rip the whole thing apart and they'd have to basically start over. Yeah, if, you know, if they, I think if, his phrase was flip the tea table or whatever. Yes, he would come flip, in and flip, flip the tea flip table. Flip the tea table. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, we put these developers in such high regard, and we admire them so much. And, look, you can admire them for their work and their creativity, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're, like, human beings, too. And well, also, like, it's a creative effort, and it's a team effort, and egos are going to rub up against each other. And there's gonna, It's like that, uh, what, that, that audio that leaked of Christian Bale screaming at the cinematographer right. yeah. in Terminator Salvation. And it's like, everyone, you know, a lot of people that have never worked in, like, a creative field like that have, were like, oh, my God, what a horrible person. Yeah. Like, da, da. And I'm like, dude, I guarantee you they were having drinks together by that evening. Yeah. Because that's just what, you know, that's happened so often, like, on our shows and, you know, you, you know, two people have a fundamental disagreement, have something that they really believe is the way to go with the creative process, and like you just start screaming at each other, and it goes crazy, and like you know, and then five minutes later, you're two like, hours I can't later, it's like, we just did that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and you know, and you know, one person gets their way, or the other person gets their way, or there's some kind of compromise, or whatever, and like after everything's, you know, and it all, you know, you hug you, it out, you hug it out, and you realize <laughs> that it all comes down to like everybody just wants what you're making to be the best it can be. Yeah, yeah, and um, everyone's passionate and cares about it a lot. So. Yeah. 
And so, like, on one end, and, and, but, the, but yeah, I think, you know, Hater, from what, he's, what he describes, really was uh, disrespected by, by them. And on one hand, I kind of agree with the idea of, like, yeah, you want to get a, maybe a better voice actor for Snake or a different one in yeah. there to kind of, like, keep up with the times. But at the same time, you got to man up and tell this man that yeah, we're not going reca- yeah. to recast the role and, like, you know, thank you for your effort and thank you for all this, but, like, you know, we're going to move on to something different. And that's just I how it's done. I also feel like he and was also, a little entitled. Like, he just assumed that, like, because I did Snake, like, I am Snake. Yeah. Like, but he like, has an ego as well. It, yeah, it's well, not well, just I mean, he works in Hollywood. He's a screenwriter, and he's done a bunch of stuff. And so, like, but again, if he was no longer that role, I think he was expecting someone to come to him and say, like, hey, we're going to move, we're going to go with a different choice. Because yeah. that's how, how you do it in, yeah. in his business, I yeah, guess. Right. You know, and, and they didn't do that that way. And it's funny, because it's like, Kojima didn't need to fly out here and tell, tell him himself. He right. just had to, you know, have, even just have somebody from Konami USA just say like, "Hey, meet with Hater and tell him like we're going to do some, you know, go even with a different actor." Even just do it on Skype, like whatever. Yeah, even just, a phone call, like whatever. Yeah, what, you know, whatever this just, is like, think about this is like treat, your, treat the man like a person, voice, exactly. And this is your lead voice actor for like your biggest project, yeah. your most successful project. And ever. like, so, you know, to the point that when someone says the title of your game, a lot of people will just respond with Metal Gear. Right, you know, like, exactly. Like, you know, they. They identify him with the brand so closely. It's like that's a big change. I, I can't big... believe they never met. That just completely blows my mind. How's that even possible? Look, when I don't they made for the first Metal Gear, like he wasn't a hotshot developer then. Like he was just kind of like figuring it all out. Yeah. Well, I figured he just you know directed the Japanese version, and you know they Konami USA did. I mean, thankfully Konami USA didn't record Metal Gear Solid One in the same closet they recorded Symphony of the Night. Right. But like. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You know, they they used like real some qual- real quality voice actors on Metal Gear Solid One for the you know big cartoon names for the time, and uh, you know they they all went under assumed names. But you had you know you had Cam Clark in there, you had you know Leonardo the Ninja Turtle. That was it's yeah, a, that's yeah. a recognizable guy as Liquid Snake, you know. For sure, yeah. And he was great. I know you know a lot of people make fun of him for like being instantly recognizable as himself, but it's like hey, Liquid Snake wouldn't be the same without that like crazy like nasal English English accent. Yeah. Hello, brother. Yeah. Like that, you know. <laughs> but it's that's the thing is like you know moving into Metal Gear Solid Three, he kind of was moving away from that kind of hammy, you know, sort of like over the top delivery that like you yeah. kind of needed in the era where you couldn't even see the character's eyes. Right. You yeah. know, it was more of a radio show with some pictures. You're right. Yeah. And you know, Metal Gear Solid Three was kind of where you know. That was kind of the turning point. The turning point, you know, two showed that, like, oh, we can do some much more nuanced stuff with the physical acting of the characters. So maybe in three, you want a voice that can match that a little more. I can see why why Kojima would make that decision. I just don't see. Yeah, I'm not questioning the decision. I just don't see why you don't. Although a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people are still pissed off that he wasn't. Oh, people love it. Well, because we don't like change. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to. Because on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I could totally see someone should have been recast for you know for uh, you know Naked Snake in, in Metal Gear Solid Three. But at the same time, I start thinking about that game with a different voice in that role, and I'm just like, oh, it feels weird, you know? Like, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to you know. It was hard in Metal Gear Solid Five for me. It's like you know, on one hand, like yeah, I get it, but on the other hand, it's like it's weird to hear Kiefer Sutherland's voice coming out of that guy. Like yeah, I would hear it. And I wouldn't even assume that it was like Snake talking. I had that. Pro- <laughs> I had that problem in the, in the audio logs. I'm like, which one is Snake? I don't. Right. I'm not sure who's talking. They exactly. all sound the same. You're right. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So at least if at least if David Hayter was there, I'd know which one was Snake. You're damn right. You're damn right about that one. That's for sure. So yeah, 
we we look up to these guys, these developers, and, and a lot of reasons for a lot of reasons they deserve it. You know, they deserve our admiration and our praise. But at the end of the day, they're human beings just like us. Yeah. They put their pants on one leg at a time, and they have to crap every day. So, preferably not in that order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our trailer of the week for this week. Uh, Dark Souls 3, right on the cusp of uh, being released. Did you uh, give in and do the whole trick to start playing the Japanese version now? No. no, no. I have plenty to do without jumping the gun on that release. Yeah, yeah. I've been here. playing like Quantum Break, and I'm trying to finish our Pokemon Tournament. Just finally put up our Game of Val for the Division. Put it, put it this way. If I had done that, we wouldn't have talked about a drift today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but a lot of people are right. Um, do I, do at your own peril, by the way, because they could pull the court on that like at any time. Yeah. So, I, I don't. I have no idea. I mean, if, I think if they were going to, they probably would have by now. Yeah. But like, you know, totally playable though. If you want to do yeah. it again, just go. If you want to do it, you can just go to sift to go to the Dark Souls three page and click guides on the channel nav, and it'll take you to a little guide that shows you how to do it. If you want to do it, so. Lots When's of promotion officially. Is that April? It comes four. out in like a week and a half in the U.S. So there's like a two-week delay between mm. Japan and the U.S. I think I just wait and play it safe, but that's me. Yeah, um, it was outsold by Dragon Quest Monsters Joker Three. Mm. Its first week in Japan. You can't fight City Hall and Dragon Quest. <laughs> Apparently, Dragon, I mean, it doesn't shut the country down like it used to, but yeah. it's still. It Dragon did sell Quest. really well, though. Dark yeah. Souls Three started out really sold like two hundred and some thousand units its first week in Japan, which is a great sales for Japan right now. Mm-hmm. So it's doing very well. So promotional media is coming out for this game like mad. Like a lot of people, a lot of the the publications have in fact done the trick and are playing the Japanese version, putting up lots of gameplay. But this trailer of the week is really refreshing. It's an animated take on Dark Souls, done by Eli Roth, who is the director of the horror movie, movies Hostel, among mm-hmm. others. Um, some people admire him, some people not so much. He's a pretty good fit for this, though. He is, and uh, they did a really great job on this. It's just a couple minutes long, but here it is, an animated short for Dark Souls 3 from director Eli Roth.
Dark Souls. Not a whole lot of Eli in that. There's the eyeball yeah, a shot. Of things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can see the pedigree. Yeah, for sure. So we did get some questions. We should have asked you guys four questions before we went to the trailer of the week, but totally slipped our mind. It also slipped my mind to bring my, the iPad today, by the way. <laughs> today has been an absolutely awful day for me, by the way. Like, yeah, it is that, just. We had the. Uh... For a while, you thought you'd left one of our microphones on on Michael Pactor. Yeah, I, I literally, I slept last like three and a half hours last night because I had to be in downtown LA really early to shoot with Pactor, um, and then like it was a big rush to get out of there, and like I thought I left stuff there, and I didn't, and I like sounded an alarm over that. I've just, I've just been scrambling all day, people. So please bear with me for episode forty-three. I feel like I'm a little off my game tonight, so. Let's see, we do have some great questions. Um, here's one from Dyson XP. Uh, with all your experience writing reviews, do you ever have difficulty with any of them? Writer's block, getting your thoughts down properly, if so, how do you overcome it? Um, walk away. Hmm. That's exactly what I do. I honestly, by the time I go to review a game, like I'm ready to review it. Like I take notes while I'm reviewing it, and I keep those notes organized. I've talked about this on Invisible Walls many years ago, but... I have kind of a system that I use when I do reviews or game evals, and I've been doing it for forever. It's worked for me really well. But by the time I sit down to write the eval or review, whatever you want to call it, like it just flows. I can type really fast. I think I can type like 70, 80 words a minute. And uh, so, for instance, the game eval for The Division, a lot of you have probably already looked at that and see how long it is. It took me about two hours and 10 minutes to write that. So. Mm-hmm. And then I went back over it one more time to just polish it up and clean it up here and there. But uh, I think the key is just making sure that you're really organized while you're playing the game. So you make sure that any important thoughts that you have, you kind of jot down so you don't forget. But I don't, like, use those notes when I write the review or the eval. Like, I don't sit there and be like, oh, I need to mention this, I need to mention that. Just typing them the first time when you put the notes down, it makes a mental note. And then I think it's important to not actually use those notes because the stuff that you remember is the stuff that's most important. And what you'll find is that like the things that really matter stuck in your mind just from typing them and the things that don't matter kind of just melt away and go away all on their own. So that's kind of my process and I've been writing for a long time so I don't really get writer's block per se. Um, I only have a problem. I write very similarly. Like I sometimes take notes, but I never look at them. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, I didn't mention that thing," and I'll think I'll look at the reveal and be like, "Ah, eh, it wasn't." Doesn't that need important. it. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain the, part the, of trimming that has yeah. to take place as but well. But the main, I think the main, like these days, like you know, it's, it, I've been writing them for you know what 16 years now. These days, it's not. It's pretty. It's an instinct. It's, yeah. it's, it's a reflex rather. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I will get a little stuck on. A very positive review. If I really loved something, like yeah. it's hard. It's harder to write the really positive reviews. And when I get stuck on that, what I'll do is I'll just start. Because usually I like to write from the start to the finish. I just start at the beginning and I write until That's the review. That's what I do. Done. I write from beginning. But now. if I get stuck on a game that I'm very positive on, I will um, just start writing about the stuff I like, and that will kind of usually be like the middle of the review. And then I'll kind of like build out from there, and that's usually how I kind of find a, a groove for that. And a matter of fact, I think the game eval uh, format is way easier for me to write it a does. very positive yeah, review it, in that regard. By, it, by design, it structures yeah. everything for you. Because part of it, when I would write the old like old reviews or reviews for other places, like I'm trying to think of like segues and like ways to kind of get into this and kind of connect this to that, and like the 
the kind of segmented version, of, uh, segmented format of the game eval makes it real simple to just like, I don't need to artsy it up, I just need to tell you what that part is. is. And, and also, it's... the other thing I like about the evals is it forces you automatically to think about every facet of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times with more freeform reviews, it's very easy to kind of forget something that's really important. Like, in mm-hmm. hindsight, like in GT, I would put up reviews sometimes and be like, oh, crap, like, I totally forgot I wanted to mention that. Mm-hmm. Because you weren't forced to talk about every element of a game every time you wrote a review. And with the gaming vows, you are. And so while you're writing that, you're thinking just organically of every mm-hmm. sort of element and facet of the game. So it, it, it makes it easier. Like, I do write the gaming vows faster than I wrote game reviews for game trailers, game spot. Tech TV, G4, etc. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. How do you guys feel? This is from Toasty Will. How do you guys feel FPS games will work in VR? When will the first VR Call of Duty game come out? Hmm. A very good question. Um, I, I don't know, know if a Call of Duty game will ever be in VR. Like a proper one. Like, yeah. I think they may make yeah. some weird offshoot, like, like, like Call like, of Duty VR or like something. Like a Wii version kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think, like, a proper Call of Duty will be in VR because it's just it's too much about competition. And Yeah, I, I can't imagine them being the same game, really. You know, like, particularly I can't imagine, like, playing multiplayer with VR people against, like, n- normal controller people. Like, it just seems like you'd, you can move and turn too quickly with a controller in comparison to what you can do in VR without making yourself dizzy. I think the other thing, too, is that if I wanted to play a first-person shooter in VR, I would probably just go play Laser Tag. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. Well, I, well I, think, like, I think there will be, you know, it's places like Dave & Buster's or, like, you know, family, whatever you call arcades now, family yeah. fun centers? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be, like, Laser Tag-style, like, VR things that are like that. We don't even need know? it, though. I mean, you just play Laser Tag. Like, I think there's certain genres that are going to work really well with VR, and there's certain ones that just don't make a ton of sense. Somebody and, will try it. Oh, though. yeah. I mean, there already are first-person shooters on the way. There's yeah. a couple of them in development already. But I just... I think that's one of those genres that I'm least excited to experience in VR of, like, all the genres. Like, that is one that I just don't see a lot of enhancement coming from it. Um, again, like, if I wanted to run around and actually try to shoot, I'd play paintball or laser tag. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Odin5 really wants to know, do you think the PS4K will run all games on PS4 retroactively at 60 frames per second? All PS4 games? No. Most? Yeah. It's no guarantee. No. That just because you have the more power that suddenly it's going to all run at 60 frames per second. Right. If it's the, game, the old games aren't optimized for that hardware, there are still some that could have some lazy coding that may not hit 60. Yeah, like well, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to fix the frame timing problem in Bloodborne right. by just throwing hardware at it. But I think they'll all run better yeah. and all look better. But all hit 60... I would say no. And do you, do you think that's something that they would have to patch for each game? Or is it just a matter of... I don't think of, so. You just... The, the hardware... Well, I guess it, it depends on how they wrote the initial code. Mm-hmm. I would think it would scale... Because with a PC, you just sort of can scale it up. But, right. like, you know, if that was never... If, you know, if it was never considered and they an option this on, code, the, on a PS4 game... I mean, these are game, basically PCs anyway. Yeah. So I would assume they wrote the code. I mean, a lot of these games have PC versions already... And are built on PCs. Mm-hmm. Like, their dev kits are all basically PCs. So I would say, yeah, I think they probably would scale just fine, just like a normal PC game would. Hmm. Yes, we'll see. 
Because, I mean, you don't really have, like, the like the cell processor or any of these proprietary pieces of kit anymore, which would keep it from working in the past. They're just basically mid-range PCs at this point. So, yeah, they should scale just fine. But we'll see. I wonder, how many people uh, are already have a PS4 but would consider buying PS4K on top of that for the better performance? What was your question? My question is, like, how many people, like, kind of in the chat, just, like, as a show of yeses or whatever, how many people would, who have a PS4 already would be willing to buy a PS4K on top of that for the better performance? Oh. But would... You mean would they sell their old PS4? Yeah. Or, yeah. or like, throw their other PS4 in the other room or something. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Like, I would think a good many. Mm-hmm. I, think I mean, a good I mean many, obviously, we don't know the price, so that's right. a very important... I would think a good many sifters, because, you know, we're, like, the corest right. of the core, basically, and we're going to all try to buy the best hardware that we can. I mean, the average consumer, I would say that's probably mm-hmm. 40%, 35%. On sifted, I would say it's probably, like, 70 That's my mm-hmm. guess. Uh, here's one from W. Matthew. I know you don't like Let's Plays. I didn't say that at all. I didn't say I didn't like Let's Plays. Um, but there are many games that got super popular because of them. Minecraft, Binding of Isaac, KSP, and many others. Uh, would you be okay with losing all those games slash genres just to stop Let's Plays? First of all, Minecraft did not get popular from Let's Plays. I don't know where you got that from. Like, I would say Let's Plays arguably got popular yeah, because no, of Minecraft. Minecraft made the Let's Play. It's like you got those things reversed right there. Like Minecraft was a smash hit before it was ever released. Like, GT, everybody in GT owned Minecraft, like, pre-ordered Minecraft, like, just from playing it, like, that little, like, demo that they mm-hmm. put out. It was a sickness, really. Yeah, it really <laughs> was. Like, I never, it never really resonated with me, and I thought around with it a little bit. Yeah, but, but you were, like, the only one in the office not playing it after work. Basically. Oh, you're right. No, it was insane. Like, people ate it up. It had nothing to do with Let's Plays. Uh, Binding of Isaac, I mean, how successful was the Binding of Isaac. Like, Pretty successful. I mean, it did okay. But again, that game is like a, you know, like a roguelike randomized game. You, know, you don't get the same experience over and over right. in that game. So that's the yeah. key, I think, is like I wouldn't say Binding of Isaac is relevant to you know, the, the, you know, that Dragon Cancer conversation because you know, I can just put in Binding of Isaac and have a totally different experience than you did. Here's, what, here's the example you should have given. Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm. That's the game that became popular from Let's Plays. And if... They went away, and that game went away. I wouldn't shed a tear. <laughs> not a one, brother. It would not make me sad at all. Like that game to me epitomizes the let's play culture. It's basically a piece of crap game with cheap jump scares, and which makes it fun to watch other people play it. I guess. But the lore. What lore? I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I watched like that thing that Sifted curated about like you know the the whole Five Nights at Freddy's story in like uh, yeah. thirty minutes or whatever. Yeah. I still don't understand. Yeah, what the I hell don't it's get it either. <laughs> but that's the game that became popular because of Let's. That's plays. definitely the game I associate with Let's Plays. Yeah. In my head. You, say, you say Let's Play, I see that stupid bear. Yeah, like, that, yeah exactly. That's, that's pretty much my first association. Um, to answer the rest of your question, um, oh wait, now it's oh, it's gone. I can't reference it again. Um, where was it? I can. I bet I can find it. Oh wow, there's so many questions. There it is. Uh, was it too popular Minecraft? Okay, with losing all those genres just to start stop let's plays. No, I think you answered it. No, okay. Just want to make sure I answered uh, every every facet of your question. Um, here's one 
Don't you think that this is from Gino Mike One question? Don't you think the Dark Souls games would be more enjoyable if they had a more coherent story? Story that you progress through. I hope Neo, Neo, which is a game from Koei Tecmo and Team Ninja, satisfies this need for me. I mean, I don't get wrapped up in the story of Dark Souls at all. I don't really, you know, I, I like the atmosphere. Do you think you could if it was a little more overt? Maybe, but like the people who love that game love piecing together the weird story stuff out of like the little clues and lore scraps. They're like, I wouldn't want to take that away from them. Yeah, I have a no. Problem. I have tons of games I can play if I want a robust story. There's yeah. not too many games that do what Dark Souls does in terms of kind of parceling out the information like a puzzle. And I wouldn't want to. That's an appeal. Like I, I know that a lot of the Dark Souls fans have that as like one of their main kind of you know, or at least secondary appeals of the game to them after the gameplay. And I don't. I wouldn't want to take that away from them. I agree with Matt one thousand percent. I like how that series tells a story. I like that it's. That it's there if you really want to dig. If not, it's just kind of like a the game just kind of has a mood or a tone, but not necessarily mm-hmm. a, a narrative. Um, I'm totally fine with it. I'm yeah. glad that there's at least one game that does it and does it really well. Like I don't particularly care to do the legwork myself on that, but I you know I'll read the kind of the summaries or like the videos to sort of explain what these what their theories on things are, and I think that's fun. And I think that's enough a part of the Dark Souls experience that I I don't I don't think you could change that without changing the series substantially. Possibly for the negative. Um, let's see. Let's answer a couple more if we've got them. Um, my, my, I can never pronounce this name. My XEQ. How am I supposed to pronounce that? My I'll, I'll, go, with, I'll go with Mixek. Mixek? Uh, what do you think of the huge gap between the Japanese release of Dark Souls 3 in the U.S. and the workaround? Dark Souls games benefit from the first few weeks of everyone is in the dark. Dark Souls 3 has been awful as far as having to avoid Twitch and the internet, not to mention spoiler-heavy ads. Mm, what, what's the huge gap? Is it like weeks? It's a few weeks, yeah. That's not a I'll, huge gap. I'll tell but you look, about, I'll if tell you're you really into a series... Between, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Mother 3. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. But look, um, if you're a huge fan of a series... Right, like, three weeks can seem like an eternity. Look, the publications have all grabbed the Japanese version, and they are posting media, like, yeah. all over the place. And he's, you know, that is true. Like, there, I have, you know, like, I know Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of the appeal at the beginning is, like, no one knows how any of this works. And, and it's like, a communal thing. People it. go on message boards and share their experiences, mm-hmm. and... And, and now like, you're not going to have that. You're just going to have people stepping in who've read the Japanese message boards. They're like, no, it's like this. Yeah, it's, it's going to be all scattershot as well. Um, the process of discovery, like we just had the story question, like the process of kind of discovery and, and you know, uh, finding, digging these things out and finding how they all work really seems to be kind of core to the Dark Souls experience. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean... I don't care, but like it's too bad they couldn't have done a simultaneous release just because that's so much a part of how the games have worked in the past. The game's also in English. Like there's an English version out there already. Yeah, why like, did why did they really wait? No I reason. Don't know. Yeah, I feel I feel your pain, man. It does suck, but uh nothing you can do about it, man, unfortunately. Yeah. Um here's one from Sterling Life Co. With the news and rumors of what Defy is doing to the Escapists, would it surprise you guys to see that team go to the go the Patreon route like GT and others? Well, it ain't dead yet. Yeah, they're not dead. I mean, they're just. Uh, I mean, look, based on what happened with GT and Defy, 
Yeah, Defy is on quite the slaughter rampage this year. It sounds Uh, like they're just getting rid of all their core games coverage to me. Like, they've just figured out or decided that they just don't want anything to do with core games coverage, and so they got rid of GT, and now it looks like they're calling down the escapists, and look, I don't want to put a nail in the coffin of the guys who are still working there, so I'm not going to say that they're going to go away. So they are still around. They closed the North Carolina office. They're all being consolidated up in Seattle. Um, It looks like Zero Punctuation and Yahtzee are going to stick around. Um, so if that were to happen, could I see them doing a Patreon? I think. I don't know if they have the following for that. I don't know if they do either. Like, um, I, I mean, GT is a very different beast. It's a much more personality-driven. Yeah, I mean, thing. I don't honestly. Other than Yahtzee, like I don't yeah, know. And, and Yahtzee's not going to have trouble finding a new home. I yeah, look, somebody either a site will sign Yahtzee, or he'll just start his own YouTube channel yeah. or whatever. He's not going away. I mean, um, he has a team that does those for him. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's not just him making those. So. Right. I'm sure they would find another place to land. Yeah, some site will pick him up. I mean, even though I feel like he's lost a little steam over the last couple of years, he's been doing it for a long time now. Eight years. I know, it's insane. I mean, so yeah. He'll, he'll land somewhere. Um, the other yeah. guys, like, again, personally, I just don't know him. I never really met them. I don't know why in all my years in the industry, like, I never met any people from The Escapist. Maybe it's because they were in North Carolina. Well, they're, a, they're in Seattle, North Carolina. So yeah. the, the HQ is in Seattle. I met people from The Escapist at GD, but, but some of them, this was way back in, like, 2008-ish, uh, when like they were, you know, they were run by a couple some ex-tech TV people. Like, you know, we had some connections there, and I think it's an entirely different crew now. They've, it seems like it. All those, all that has turned over. The other people went on to other things. Yeah. So we wish them luck. Like, hopefully, you know, they can go up to Seattle and they can reorganize and get things headed in the right direction. I mean, they may be headed in the right direction as it is, but Defy is just kind of yeah. Judging by game trailers, it doesn't matter whether you're going in the right direction or not. If Defy decides. You're not in their game plan. You're not in their game plan. Yep. All right, so one more question, if we can find a good one. Lots of questions about Dark Souls. Well, it's coming. Yeah, it is coming. Coming up. Yeah, we have somebody working on the review right now. I'm not reviewing it, by the way. (laughs) Is that one going to be thrown at me, maybe? No, there's already somebody who's got it. He's working on it, actually. You should have volunteered, though. I would have assigned it to you. I did not have a good time reviewing Dark Souls 2. I gotta say, like, having a, a deadline on those games is real nasty. Yeah. Uh, login loss. Here's a, a quick one. Are there plans to ever sit in the guest seat of Easy Allies or have one come over as a guest assisted? Uh, we're totally down with working with those guys. And if they invite me to be on their show, I'd definitely do it. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? We'll see. Um, I think those guys are just trying to figure it all out right now. They did... I totally missed their first podcast. Yeah, like, so did I. Like, I didn't uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel right away because it was called Coming Soon, and so I, th- I was afraid that they were going to not use that channel. Like, maybe it was, like, one of their personal channels, and they were going to create, like, an official Easy Allies one. Nope. Turns out that that was the one that they were going to use, and mm-hmm. uh, I totally missed their first episode of their podcast and uh, ended up watching it, like, five days after it came out. So... <laughs> Just so you guys know, once I discovered it, it was too late to kind of curate it because it was like yesterday's news, but we'll be curating all their content going forward to mm-hmm. the site now that we know where their channel is. So we'd love to collaborate with those guys. We'll see what happens, yeah. though. Oh, and to answer Nolan Elric uh, a couple of questions. Um, I did see Batman vs. Superman. I did not hate it, but I didn't like it. Um, and I think it's time to move on from Zack Snyder. Uh, Affleck was great. I will watch a solo Affleck Bat movie, Batman movie, no problem. But um, it, they they need to move on and find a director that can tell a story. But Affleck Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, yo, and in this, <laughs> and in this. Matt 
is a lot more positive about this right now. We talked about this movie for a good like 30 minutes before. You were... that, if, if I get too into it, I'm going to dis- dissect why the entire story doesn't work and why the direction is some of the most inept things I've ever seen. But there's the bones of a good idea in that movie. But based on it's our just earlier conversation, presented. it sounded like he hated it. So <laughs> I hate that that's what we have to settle for from those characters yeah. now. I don't think it's as bad as the reviews made it out to be. It's not a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. It might have been... You made it sound that way. It might, have been, it. it might have been if Ben Affleck wasn't cast and they got someone equal to Henry Cavill as Batman and I just had to watch two giant human-shaped logs of wood <laughs> sleepwalk their way through that terrible script. But, um, you know, it, there's a couple of good... Th- you know, Affleck really carries the film on his back uh, to the degree it's watchable but it's way too long and it's way too dark and it's way too joyless and uh, frankly I'd rather watch Avengers again oh. alright so before we go there's one last thing I want to talk about so when GT went through his whole Patreon I was getting lots of messages on the site and direct messages and emails and messages on Twitter and messages on our Facebook account asking how people could contribute to Sifted beyond subscribing. And so Brent and I have been working on a brand new donation system for Sifted. It is pretty much done. I think it's going to launch tomorrow. Um, I didn't want to just kind of put it up on the site and have it be there. I wanted to talk to you guys about it uh, kind of mano a mano. Um, so basically how it works is you can donate whatever you want to Sifted. It can be a dollar, it can be five, whatever. You can donate whatever you want. Um, but we do have like a kind of a cool thing where if you hit a $50 threshold with your donation to the site, you will become Sifted Elite. And when you're Sifted Elite, you get a custom avatar frame color for around your avatar. And every time you post in our comments or in the forums, you have a unique color behind your text. So, and it lasts forever. Once you hit that $50 threshold, you will be elite on Sifted for forever. So, look, if you guys are subscribing, you've already done your part. We don't expect anybody to donate any money. Um, You know, as subscribers, you guys have already gone above and beyond to subscribe to a brand new site. But a ton of people asked for this and wanted a way to be able to help the site financially in any way that they could. And so Brent and I basically just ground through this over this past weekend. It's pretty much done. And like I said, it should be up in the next day or two. So again, no pressure. We don't expect anyone to donate. Whatever you give us is more than awesome. Um, But people are kind of asking like, why don't you do a Patreon? And we're like, why do we do a Patreon when we've already went through all the work to set up our own payment system on the site? So it's not like some Patreon thing where there's goals or anything like that. It's just basically our promise to you that we will use that money to secure the longevity of Sifted. So, again, totally up to you. You can you can donate as little or as much as you want, um, or you can donate nothing at all. We won't hold anything against you guys, but we did want to give some kind of reward and recognition for those who did, thus the elite status and the avatar frame and the posting color. Also, everyone who becomes elite will be mentioned by name at the end of an episode of Game Face to thank you guys. So... Maybe next week we'll have our first elites to mention at the end mm. of the show. Luckily, elite rundown. Exactly. Mm. But if not, that's totally fine. Like I said, you guys have already done more than your share just subscribing to the site. No pressure whatsoever. So thank you for supporting Sifted so far. Thanks in advance to anybody who actually uses our donation program. Look for it in the next couple of days. And I think that's it, man. Anything else you want to add? No. Um, just that uh, I agree with Nolan. Nolan, I do agree with you. That was the best Batman ass kicking sequence ever.
Yeah, he mentioned that earlier. He was like, it was the best sure. Batman. He said it they reminded me of the Arkham games. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Snyder probably played like Arkham City or something. It was like, oh, that's how Batman should fight, and so it is. <laughs> and that scene is amazing. It's great. All right. So on that note, that's it for Game Face episode forty-three. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out.